Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Round Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And over these past few weeks, there has been a lot of news. In fact, you could say there's been some bombshell announcements, if you will. So as such, we're calling this episode Bombs Away, as we'll be discussing all that big news, be it Nintendo's mysterious third platform they're going to be making, uh, the Sonic Boom announcement, and of course we're going to be discussing bombs in a different way, as we'll be sharing impressions of Castle Storm, where you're bombarding your opponent and they're bombarding you back. And we're also at Pokemon Bank Impressions. But, uh, like I said, which has nothing to do with the theme, but whatever. You can bank on... No, nothing. So, uh, yeah, the episode we're going to kind of break down with... We're, it's going from, like, very big conceptual stuff to very specific games. So we'll start with uh, what happened with Nintendo these past two weeks at their investor meeting where they revealed basically their strategy of how the company's going to operate going forward and what they're going to do differently and how they're going to fix themselves. Then we're going to whittle it down a little, talk about specific Wii U things they're going to address followed by some specific games, including some indie games coming out very soon, and some major third-party announcements, such as Sonic Boom, and then we'll have those game impressions. So if there's anything in particular you want to jump to, uh, we have timestamps at ramtone.com for episode 63. Just go to the blog post. But otherwise, I guess we should just jump right in. Yep. Bombs away. No, that didn't make sense. What's wrong with me? Everything. Okay, so, uh, to begin with, we should probably explain that Nintendo had this investor meeting because they first released financial numbers. When you release financial numbers, they had to back up why they're sucking, to be honest. So, um, they released their official financial numbers for the third quarter, and usually we do sales later on, but this kind of sets the stage for the whole episode, so, yeah. I mean, this is the big one, isn't it? Like, this uh, is the big holiday season. This is the make-or-break one, yeah. This is where they, would, uh, this is already the point of no return where you can't go, like, oh, it's only been out for this long. This is yep. already way, like... Yeah, we're, we're at the point where it's literally, like, is the Wii U going to be cancelled? Is it not going to be cancelled? Like, that's how far along we are. The answer is no, it's not going to be canceled. Spoiler alert. So, um... Oh, man. Yeah, well, might as well turn off the podcast now. Uh, yeah, so the, the numbers they released cover the holiday season, like you said. So it's October to December. Um, and during that three-month period, Nintendo did manage to sell 1.95 million Wii U consoles. Which is better than the 466,000 they sold the first half of the year. Or the first nine months of the year. But still, obviously, 1.9 not... million Wii U sold. Total. Just oh, as a total? In in this quarter, sorry. Oh. Total on this quarter. Wow, 1.9 million. 1.9 million. You know what? That's, That's a, a little of... under half of what the PS3, I mean PS4 sold in like a month. Um. Yeah. So, but I mean, here's the here's the thing. It's the best the Wii U's done this whole fiscal year, which is starting in March and going till this coming March. Moving on up. Yeah, it's moving on up, but it's not at the same time because it's actually down 36% compared to its launch holiday season a year ago when it sold 3.06 million a year ago. So they sold, uh, I was about to say half, but no, they sold a third less, as I just said. So um, this does match up with Nintendo's expectations. Like we talked about last episode, how they had to revise their forecast, and they're saying that the Wii U's not going to sell 9 million this fiscal year. It's only going to sell 2.8 million. And that, uh, you know, that means at this point, they only need to sell 339,000 units from now to March in order to meet their expectations. So they really dialed them down. And the thing is, for any other console, 339,000 in three months would be kind of sad and pathetic. But for the Wii U, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, that's normal. Okay. That's pretty good. But um, in all, Nintendo's expecting the Wii U life-to-date sales from when it first came out through this March to end up being around 8.56 million. So originally they wanted to sell 9 million in just the past, since March. Now they're willing to accept that it's going to be less than 9 million for the last year and a half, basically. Kind of sad. And just, just for comparison's sake, the GameCube, the closest thing they had to a Wii U situation previously, uh, in its second holiday season, like up through the period that Nintendo's hoping to sell 
you know, up through the end of March, they managed to sell 5.76 million units in the holidays, which means it brought their life-to-date sales of the GameCube in 2003, I guess, March of 2003, to just shy of 10 million. And Nintendo will be just shy of 8.5 million, or just at 8.56 million yeah. with the Wii. I mean, so it's, it's definitely performing less spectacularly than the GameCube. Yeah, but I mean, back then, I mean, there wasn't really much to get beyond the GameCube, just like, oh... Well, there's a, there's an Xbox and a PS2. Oh, no, well, yeah, but I mean, like, it was definitely easier to sell than the Wii U. Yes, it was. I mean, oh, it just plays games. It just looks really, really, really different. <laughs> looks like a lunchbox. A I had a purple one. I have a purple one. Why are the discs so small? Does that mean the games are shorter? No, the discs are smaller because it's a lunchbox and those are lunch meat. That's bologna. That's bologna. <laughs> I almost said bologna. No, that's bologna. 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 Like, bologna. I mean, that's like bologna. For the... Baked into the bologna? No. It's, oh, yeah, it's... What? Onion baked into bologna. Yeah, Is that what you just said? Bologna. It's onion baked into bologna? That's what I thought you said. No. Wait, there's a thing called a bologna that's onion baked into bologna. I don't think so. The, where did the onion part come from? Did I just like, make up the onion no, part? That's what I misheard. Oh. Anyway, yeah. No, let's keep going down this tangent. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the it's underperforming, definitely. But for the Wii U, that's not to be... That's not a surprise. We all kind of saw it coming. So, with these lowered sales expectations, um, you know, Nintendo had to, obviously, as we discussed last time, lower their overall profit expectation. And you can blame... The Wii U bombing on the fat on the, that's the reason they don't have their hundred billion yen goal being met. That's why they can't have an operating profit of hundred billion yen because it it's actually kind of interesting that um, they actually turned a profit during the holidays. Even with the Wii U bombing and even with everything else that's been going on, they managed to make two hundred ten million dollars, which is twenty one point seven billion yen during the holiday season. Not bad, right? No. But the bombing of the Wii U going forward, where they only expect to sell three hundred thirty nine thousand, means that this coming quarter, January through March they're going to expect a loss of 3.4 billion yen or $323 million. In other words, they're going to lose more in the next quarter than they made during the holidays, so it's kind of like, what's the point? They might as well just give up on their goal, which they did. They're now expecting that 35 billion yen loss for the whole fiscal year. So that's that. But um, the silver lining, because there is silver lining, is that the Wii U actually does pretty well on the software side. There's been 29 million pieces of software every game on the system released. 29 million sold across all of them. And that means the system has an attach rate of 5.1 games per person. Average. You can't have .1 of a game. Don't give me that look. <laughs> There's no such thing as .1 of a game. Which is actually, um, it's lower than the Wii's 8. Wait, point- so if it's on average, like, since I have 12 games, I mean there are a few people that only have 0 or 1. Mm-hmm. But what the, it's just based on, you know, there's X number of Wii U's on the market and there's X number of games oh, sold yeah, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, buy yeah, one yeah, by the other. Yeah, not everyone's going to buy every game. Exactly, well, yeah. exactly. But 5. Uh, 5.1 is nothing really to scoff at. I mean, GameCube... And Wii did better, but they were, you know, they have many more years of data to look at. Like, the Wii was at 8.84 games. GameCube was at a whopping 9.59. Basically, every GameCube owner had about 10 games, which is kind of crazy. But um, having five is still a healthy ecosystem and better than a lot of systems. So, it's really not that bad, and it kind of bodes well. And, you know, it's evident by the first part of games actually are selling. So, you have Mario 3D World sold almost 2 million copies, 1.94 million. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers U managed to sell 1.74 million since it came out. Surprisingly, New Super Luigi U actually sold one and a half million copies. I did not expect that. I don't know why, because it was an add-on, basically. Like, for I'm assuming they mean the physical copy. Or no, uh, total, both? just total sales, retail oh. and eShop. But even then, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot of people double dip, I guess. That means, I mean, if if Mario U sold 1.74 and Luigi U sold 1.51. 
most people got Luigi, interestingly. Yeah. Like, the vast, vast majority. And in Wii Part U, actually, sold 1.24 million. And even Wind Waker HD managed to pass a million and sell 1.15 million copies. So these are all their life-to-date sales since they came out. So not bad. Like, the games are selling to the people that have the system. The problem is, Nintendo can't get the system in more people's hands, and that's what's dragging down their financials. Then, of course, there's the 3DS. Uh, which we pre- you know we previously discussed that its forecast was lowered as well, just not as drastically. And over the holidays, they managed to move 7.76 million 3DS systems. And that's split between all the different models. So if you look individually, the 2DS actually sold 2.11 million, which is pretty decent. The 3DS XL sold 4.5 million, and the normal 3DS sold about 1 million. In all, the 3DS worldwide, since it came out, has sold 42.74 million units. That's a lot of 3DSs. But what's interesting to me is that the 2DS didn't do better. The 2DS sold half what the 3DS XL sold. But when you have a system that during Black Friday, they're like, hey, uh, it's only 99 bucks, and hey, we have this thing called Pokemon, and hey, you can get them together, you would think the 2DS would sell better than just $2 million. Like, Pokemon should have moved that thing, especially at the $99 price point, which is just straight up, like, impulse buy territory. Hmm. It's kind of odd I guess then. people still just wanted the 3DS XL. I guess, or they just didn't care, or a kid's like, I want an iPod Touch or an iPhone or an iPad, not a, not a 2DS. Can this play Minecraft? No. Well, not interested. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's worth mentioning, though, that perhaps the 2DS, I mean, it's made from very cheap parts, it's cost, it's really cheap cost, so perhaps this thing's really designed for the emerging markets. Nintendo said they're going to, I'm going to pause real quick and point out there's a, th- a thumping bass line in the background, so no, we're not at a club or a discotheque. There's just a thumping bass line in the background, so go ahead and... Please enjoy. Go ahead and fist pump as we talk. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the... What was I starting to take? Right, I think the 2DS actually is probably for emerging markets, is my guess. Like, that's their end goal. Like, they're going to bring it to China now that they can do game sales in China, and they're going to bring it to, like, countries that don't usually have Nintendo support, and then they could probably make bank on it there. Like, I think it was in America, and they're like, first shop, we'll see how it goes, but now they're going to be like, oh, let's just put it in the, cheap, the countries where we need to sell hardware for cheaper. So, that's my guess. But, um... It's worth mentioning, though, that game sales, this is also part of Nintendo's uh, money problems, that game sales are actually kind of low for the 3DS. I mean, yeah, we've talked about on the show that there's all these million sellers, and yes, they have sold 152 million games for the system, which is a lot, but it only has an attach rate of 3.56. That's roughly half of what the DS had. The DS, on average, people bought six games. On the 3DS, they're buying about three and a half, somehow. For GBA, GBA, which notoriously did not sell as well as the DS, people were buying 4.63 games, so somewhere between 4 and 5 games. 3DS, once again, we're looking at 3 to 4, so close, but even under that, even underperforming that. And that's with million sellers. That's with Pokemon X and Y selling 11.6 million copies. That's with, I don't have a number on me, but multi-millions, 3 million, 3 million something. That's with A Link Between Worlds in the month and a half it was out that it's being tracked by Nintendo so far. 2.18 2.18 million copies. That's with all these games selling multi-millions, but it seems like everyone's just buying one or two of them and calling it a day. Like, they're not just buying lots of them. Like, Nintendo put out a game well, a month last month. I know, but Nintendo put out a game a month last oh, month. Oh, yeah, yeah. And on DS, they did similar strategies, and they sold six games to every person. This time well, I mean, did this three. take into account downloadable games? Or yeah, this is eShop plus retail. Oh, wow. These are from Nintendo directly, these numbers. Because I was going to say, like, well, At least I believe so. Because, I mean, three games, that just sounds, like, really low. I mm-hmm. mean, considering how many good games are on the eShop that you could get for, like, five bucks or less. Yeah, and that... Well, I don't know if it counts eShop... Oh, I see what I mean. I don't know if it counts eShop exclusives. It might oh. just be physical... It might be retail games that are sold on the eShop and... Sorry, right, no, that yeah, was my that's fault. what I was because maybe they'll have, like, a way bigger library, but... Yeah, no, that was my fault. Um, it's... Sorry, it was... It's retail games. 
that you can download, and they're counting those downloads, but retail okay. games. That makes sense. But even that then, that's sense. still, like, really low, I feel like. But, so obviously that's affecting Nintendo's bottom line. So all this builds up, essentially, all this basically builds up to um, why Nintendo needed to have this investor meeting and why it was so crucial. Because with all these minor, minor ups and these major, major downs, you know, Nintendo has to address it somehow. They have to do something. So they had that big financial briefing. They're basically reassuring investors, hey guys, here's how we're going to turn things around. So Troy Iwata, Nintendo's global president, took, like, went through this whole really long presentation where he basically spout off a ton of different ideas. It seems like they're almost doing like a throw it against the wall and see what sticks sort of method. Like, we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll, you know, maybe one of them will work. So they seem kind of scattered, but... Apparently he didn't say please understand once. He didn't. Yeah. I read the whole transcript. He did not. Preface. Yeah, well... Considering how many times he tells us... It's because, what, what are we supposed to be understanding at this point? <laughs> they admitted they screwed up. Like, there's nothing... It's not like, oh, we'll be better. Please understand. It's like, yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. I guess you could please understand the mistake, but... <laughs> Please understand, we understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, what was I going to say, though? I lost my train of thought. Right. So they have a bunch of different ideas, and some of them did feel like they were, like I said, that they were kind of throwing things against the wall, but there were also buried in there some actual concrete plans and some interesting concepts of how Nintendo's going to develop themselves in the future and what's going to change. So I guess we'll start, like I said, with the bigger, more conceptual things, and then we could whittle our way down to the specifics and how like they'll fix the Wii U in the coming months. So, conceptually, one of the things that investors who were in that meeting were really hoping they'd address was mobile, of course. Everyone's saying Nintendo should go to mobile. Everyone's saying they need to go to mobile. Iwata's saying, nope, don't need to do that, at least not how you see it. Iwata basically recognized that, you know, people are using mobile devices. We, everyone uses them for something. And Nintendo wants to be part of that, but they don't have to be making games for it, per se. He believes mobile should actually be more of a place you go to get a taste of Nintendo, to get news about Nintendo, to connect with Nintendo, to have your, like, be able to buy eShop games or whatever, but then at the end of the day, they want to drive you to their hardware-software bundle ecosystem. It's like they want the mobile thing to essentially be an ad. They want to advertise, look at these great Nintendo experiences, you should go over to that Wii U and play it. And that's what the purpose of the mobile, the mobile app that they're developing will do. The question, the problem is, they don't exactly know how to do it. So, um... As he, he, as he put it, there's a small team that's working on it. And he said this during the, in, during the meeting, again, during the Q&A, that they don't actually have a hook yet. Like, he didn't say it in those words. But was, he's like, we have to figure out a way that people will use the app daily and want to come back to the app. So we can't just do straight-up advertising. Because who's going to be like, oh, let me see what, what uh, Skylanders figurine is coming out tomorrow every single day. Like, that's not going to happen. So they need some sort of hook, and that's what they're trying to figure out right now. So they have a team that's kind of piecing it together. And I know last episode... Can't think of anything. Right. Well, last episode we talked about... Or I mentioned a couple ideas. And I really think that they should do this where they just... There are so many concepts out there of how other game companies have successfully used mobile. Companion apps. You know, side games that unlock stuff in main games. Even just functional things like the PlayStation app to like message your friends when you're on the go. Or down, have a game download at home while you're at work. You know, something like that. If they did that, that would be perfect. They could bundle it all into one app and just go with it. And I actually did an extra that kind of expanded on those thoughts from last episode on the site an extra article uh, it's called Nintendo's Mobile Calling and I basically outline here's how they can do it here's how they've done stuff similarly in the past Pokemon Global Link the website is basically a sort of companion app for Pokemon yep. why don't they just put that on a phone like stuff like that so the article kind of goes in depth with each it gives some examples of successful apps so if, anyone, if you're curious about it it's on the site Nintendo.com. it's called Nintendo's Mobile Calling I wrote it so naturally I recommend checking it out but but Jose didn't write it, so go ahead and give it that glowing endorsement. 
Yes. Yeah, it was glowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of like... I mean, Iwata said they're open to doing games, perhaps. But they're not, like, pigeonholing themselves to only do games. Like, he said that if it requir- if it gets to the point where doing a game makes sense, sure, they'll do it. Like, some sort of little mini-game. But that's not what he's mandating them to do. If the game's the end result of our ho- of the hook they're looking for, they'll do it. But they're not trying to do it, if that makes sense. Which is such a backwards way so of saying... saying don't expect, like, an endless jumper... Of Mario. Mario that's essentially what I think. Well, he's saying it could happen, but they're not going out there going, we need to make an endless jumper of Mario. They're going out there going, how do we sell Mario... Oh, hey, let's make an English Jumper of Mario. That might work. So he's basically saying don't quote, don't expect Nintendo to make a game. Well, but if they make one, hey, they might make one, but don't expect them to make one. I mean, they could start by updating their Pokédex app that's already out with the new X and Y Pokémon. You know what's funny? I didn't even mention that in my article, but that's actually a companion app right there that they have successfully made. Yeah. That's super weird. I really thought they are going to update um, the They're 3DS not. version, but nope. I kind of hope they, that they do something. Yeah, I, uh, I'm shocked they... Have, actually, no. They'll probably do it in the spring. Get a little bump in Pokemon X and yeah. Y buzz when, once Pokemon Bank dies down. Yeah. yeah. You know Pokemon TV shows on Hulu now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Only the new season, though. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yep. But uh, one final thought. <laughs> I had no follow-up. I haven't seen the season, so... I haven't seen Pokemon in, like, ten years. Oh. I've watched the first two episodes out of curiosity. Of the new season or of original Pokemon? No, of the... Of course I've seen the original Pokemon. Yeah, I, that's how it's confused. No, of the new X and Y season. Um, oh. Kind of surprising side note, just to... Yeah, of course. Just to point out, um, the intro, um, the lyrics are the exact same ones from the very first season of I won't be the very ever. best there yeah. was. Catches my rotest train as a cause, uh, cause. I will travel across the land searching for far and wide Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon, God, catch them all. Oh, it's you and me. I know it's my destiny. Pokemon, oh, you're my best friend. Where we must defend. Pokemon, uh, heart so true. Our courage will pull us through. You teach me. I teach you. Pokemon, Pokemon. God, catch them all. God, catch them all. Wow, it's as if you saw the that, season of Pokemon. Yeah. That? <laughs> yeah, the exact same lyrics. Did I really just recite the entire song, yep. like, word for word perfectly? Yeah. I'm so proud of myself, but also so horrified at myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, I have that. Just, I mean, obviously with a more up-to-date... So, dubstep. Mu- musical... Dubstep. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, no, not quite it's like, God, it's, I don't even know how it would work. Yeah. It's dubstep, okay. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. It, it, it was, I wonder if that's a... It was entertaining. I, I guess that's kind of a nice really, back. Couldn't really think of a reason not to, like, yeah, yeah. it was just yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. I can't believe I just decided the whole Pokemon theme. I wish I had an applause button. I feel like it would have been appropriate then to have fake applause. Anyway, one final note about mobile I did want to say before we move on to the next thing. Um, this is actually interesting. Awad brought it up, and it kind of shuts up all the critics pretty well, I think. I mean, it won't actually show them up, but it should show them up. Two years ago, do you remember what critics used to say? He said this during the Q&A, by the way, in case anyone's like, we have links, that reminds me, we have links to the entire transcript of the Q&A and the presentation for anyone that wants to really dive into this info on the blog post for this episode, so go check it out. So if you're looking for this quote, it's in the Q&A. But basically, he was saying, hey, remember two years ago, all the investors like, Nintendo, make social games on Facebook. You should make Facebook games. Those would be good publicity for you. Make Facebook games. You need to make Facebook games, et cetera, et cetera. Facebook games have ceased to be. They completely, the, the whole Facebook, I mean, they're still there, but the, like, Facebook game frenzy and trend, yeah, like, completely were, collapsed. Yeah, Farmville is dead. Zynga's in all sorts of trouble. Oh, well. Financially. Well, it's not dead. It's just lost hundreds of millions of daily users. And Nintendo was saying, they're going, we should not make mobile, we should not make so- social games, because... Who, this isn't a proven format. We're going to do our own thing that we know works or we think works. Hmm. Now, here we are two years later, exact same situation. All these free games on mobile, you guys should jump in on that. That's where you'll make money. I haven't seen any Farmville posts from anyone yeah. or anything from The whole Facebook game games. thing just caved in on itself. Huh. And I don't think mobile is going to collapse in the way that Facebook games did. 
But everyone is like, oh, jump on this. This is the new thing. They were the exact same people that said about Facebook games two years ago. So Iwata was basically saying in the presentation, like, yeah, that's why we don't do that. So I honestly, that's probably the most compelling reason for Nintendo not to do the mobile stuff people wish. Because, <laughs> like, they were right last time. Granted, they might not be right this time, but they have a track record. So um, the other major component of the mobile plan that Nintendo's doing that's kind of kind of ties into it but it's also its own independent thing is they're going to be enhancing how they the role that nintendo network ids have in the nintendo world so to speak so um you know it's only a matter of time before they did this they have nintendo network ids on the wii u they have nintendo network id on 3ds now it's only a matter of time before they really tie it all together into one central account and i want to talked it up like it was this revolutionary idea if we're gonna have an id you can log in on anything that has a nintendo thing and then well you know we know who you are and we're gonna do all these crazy things it's gonna be so cool and i'm reading it sitting there going so an apple id or a playstation network id or an xbox live account or, windows live, or a windows live account or a gmail account like this isn't new like it's great nintendo's doing it 10 years too late but it He's acting like they have been living in a bubble, and they're like, "Oh, I thought of it." No, like seriously, like the way he was describing it, it just like I mean, he has some interesting ideas of how they can leverage the Nintendo Network ID. There's actually kind of cool like discounts and things on stuff, but the way he presented it, he's like, "We're gonna do this thing." It's like you can't have the console be the platform; it's now the network that's the platform, and your platform will go from system to system. And it's like, "Yep, that that you are describing smartphones, and tablets, and most computers." But yeah, so I, I just thought that was kind of funny. But um, it is still good to see Nintendo doing that, to be honest. And I think that, like, I don't know, it's it's kind of the logical thing to do. Like, I know it sounds kind of dumb, but it's, uh, it's the sort of deal where if Nintendo stops focusing on their consoles so much and instead focuses on Nintendo Network as the thing, they can have all sorts of continuation between systems. And I, what I was saying is sort of like, you might buy a new console and you have to restart everything. Like, it's like you're starting from scratch. You make a new ID, you somehow either import your me or make a new me. But with Nintendo Network going forward, the next generation Nintendo system, the backwards compatibility isn't just sure it might play the same discs. It's literally like, oh, here's your ID. You can download all your stuff you already have. You can. It's literally what Sony does. And it makes sense. What they've been doing. Like exactly. But Nintendo's like, oh, it's this brilliant idea we have. So the, the, one, the one thing that I thought was interesting, though, is this platform of the Nintendo Network's going to extend, he thinks, Iwata, beyond just Nintendo systems. He's expecting that people will, like, have it on their phone. Like, oh, what's this Nintendo app? Use it on their phone, log into their Nintendo Network ID, then maybe go buy a Wii U, and when they log on on the Wii U, their stuff, whatever they accumulated on the phone, in terms of what Nintendo knows about them, their browsing, their wish list, all that, will just instantly be on the Wii U. I'm sure there'll be some sort of, like, coin system or something. Yeah, and it'll all instantly be on the Wii U. So it's just kind of, like, all one ecosystem, finally. Yeah. So so that, that, that that's kind of nice, I think. I think that's what they actually need to do because it's just um, – it's also interesting because it's not just going to be you know, this thing where it's like, oh, our stuff is interconnected. It's also the reason they combined their uh, hard, their, their sorry, console and handheld division to some extent because with a central Nintendo network, that means a central architecture. Central architecture means console and handheld will be centralized. He said that they don't. He doesn't think they're going to merge form factors and do a hybrid system like the Nintendo Fusion rumor for a few weeks ago. But he did say that he expects it to work like iOS or Android, where they can release different versions of hardware and it all shares the same core setup. Like an iPad can have a diff, iPad Air has different specs than iPad. Actually, they have the same specs now. Bad example. iPod <laughs> Touch, iPhone five has different specs than iPhone five S. Very different specs. One's thirty two bit, one sixty four, but they run the same architecture. They run. They are intercompatible. They communicate. And that's what Nintendo wants to do with their systems, ultimately. 
Nintendo Network ID will be like the platform that these systems are built on. And the idea eventually is that it's all one giant interconnected thing. Once again, Sony kind of does it right already. Microsoft kind of does it. Now Nintendo's playing catch up, but they're presenting it with some interesting new ideas. Like he was saying that, um, for example, porting games will be easier. So they could solve software droughts. This was a weird example, actually. He said porting games will be easier, so they could solve software droughts. Like, right now, if they want to port a Wii game to the 3DS, they have to, like, convert it, because it's a totally different architecture. A Wii game to a 3DS? Yeah, Donkey Kong. Oh, there. Donkey Kong Country Returns. Did you forgot that was... Yeah, I think that was an experiment to see if they could pull this off. Because he kept saying, like, if we wanted to do, like, a 3DS game to the Wii, or, like, um... What was another example he gave? A DS game to... Well, they are doing DS to Wii U. But he was saying if they want to go, like, handheld to console, console handheld to fix launch gaps, like, launch droughts, um, it's really hard right now, but with this, it'd be super easy. Which makes me wonder, so are they going to start actually just having, like, you're buying a Nintendo system? Like, it's not like you're buying a Wii U that does this thing, you're not buying a 3DS, you've got that thing, you're buying a Nintendo that lets you play Donkey Kong on your 3DS, maybe with weaker graphics, or on your Wii U... Well, these would be the successors, but still. Or on your Wii U with HD. But on the 3DS, you have the 3 Like, it's the same game, and it, like, the, sa- the save share and everything, and it's, like, one cohesive platform across multiple devices. They is that to recycle the name of the NES for their next console. They could. But, I mean, is that what they're... I don't even know if that's what they're going for. I mean, he said they're going to have different form factors, but it's kind of like... Well, if they're talking about porting games readily, if they're talking about one united Nintendo network plat- as a platform, it really makes it sound like Nintendo will become a service on its hardware... And it's one service across everything. Kind of like how you can download an iPhone app. And when you download it to your iPad, it's the same app. And it comes from the same like purchase history. But it works totally different on the different on the different system, in this case, the iPad. So, I thought that was particularly interesting. Because he didn't really, you know, outright say it. But he seems to be implying that that's what they're doing. At least that's how I interpreted it. Another advantage of Nintendo Network IDs, actually, is uh, that Nintendo can now... This is creepy sounding. Nintendo can now track you. With Nintendo Network ID, Nintendo knows exactly what you're playing, what you're buying, how long you're playing, etc., which sounds, like I said, super creepy. But it has some really cool benefits in terms of, like, rewarding fans. And this was another thing that I kind of touched on that I thought was interesting. Um, he was saying that, you know, with mobile, as mobile gaming showed, the days of, like, being able to sell a $30 or $50 game were kind of dwindling. I mean, yeah, there's multi-million selling games, but still, lots of people are getting used to the freemium model or paying two bucks for a game. Like, what's the one you have on your iPhone that you paid to Impossible? And Impossible Road? Yeah, like, that's two bucks, and it's a fun game, and you just play it and enjoy it. And more people are like, oh, well, I'll spend two bucks on that versus $50 on Super Monkey Ball or something. Yeah. They're kind of similar, sort of. Yeah. So, because of that, Nintendo's starting to look into different payment structures that they can use. They're not going full freemium. Just being clear, they're not going full freemium, necessarily. But, and none of these are set in stone. He also made a point to, uh, he also stressed. But, they could be pr- pretty cool because they can use the account system to basically see how many games you bought and then offer you discounts if you're a frequent purchaser. Or change pricing structures based on what you tend to buy. So, like, if they could potentially, he didn't give this example, but just running with this idea, it could be like, oh, you like platformers? Hey, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze just came out. Since you're a fan of platformers, 10% off. Or, hey, you like platforms. Have you ever tried an adventure game? We'll give you a discount on the adventure game to see if you want to on your horizons. Or something like that. Like, they can use Nintendo Network IDs. It could even, hypothetically, this could work on a phone, which could leverage their mobile thing. We could just browse the eShop, and it'll give you custom recommendations with custom discounts or something. Like, that could be super cool. That is really and that's cool. actually really... And that's really unique. To Like, no one else is doing that right now. It's like you go on the App Store, and it's like, you bought Flappy Bird. Do you want to buy Angry Birds for a buck less? 
Well, Angry Birds is only a buck, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but <laughs> free. It's for free, yeah. It's like they, you know, it could it could be really cool. And going hand in hand with that, he also this one he did mention the idea of a refer a friend program, where like if I invite you to join my game to buy a game and join me in playing it online, you'll get a discount, and I'll get some sort of kickback. And on top of that, it also kind of boosts future sales for them because Nintendo found through their own data. Which, I mean, this is kind of obvious, but the more someone plays a system, the more likely they are to buy more games for the system, well, naturally. Barely. Naturally. And how you get people to play their system even more? Get their friends to play with them online. That also, duh. Right. So if you start doing a refer a friend program and be like, hey, uh, if I, I'm going to buy Mario. If you buy two, we both get tw- uh, 20% off. It makes sense. It could it could help boost sales. And at the end of the day, Nintendo's probably like, fine. We'll take a cut of the you know we'll take a cut of the profit on this one game. But now that you're both in our ecosystem and playing all the time, you're buying five games you probably didn't buy before, and we'll get our money back. So it, these are like these are type of models Nintendo's looking at. It's not it's not just like oh pay to play or like freemium or that sort of thing. They're looking at like different ways they can leverage. Basically, they're looking at Club Nintendo 2.0. They're trying. It's, it's like if Club Nintendo actually gave discounts and was rolled into the main eShop, essentially. So I think that's actually. I honestly, that's one of the more interesting things that came out of this investor meeting to me is how Nintendo is really starting to toy with the idea of how much a game should cost and how much you should actually pay for it, yeah, versus I mean, say someone else. Well, I mean, realistically speaking, like how far away are we from actually seeing anything? If you had to guess, obviously there's no way to know right now, but you know, just based on experience and their track record of how they actually implement things that they've announced. Well, here's the thing. They've been promising for three years that they're going to fix their software droughts, and they haven't fixed them yet. So we have one coming up in like a week. After Donkey Kong, we have nothing for... No first-party games until May when Mario Kart comes out. But, um... Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I mean, some of the stuff he was saying, he said they're going to bring to Wii U. He straight up said we're going to try it on Wii U, but ultimately a lot of these ideas are for their next-gen hardware. He was saying. Like, they're going to test bed it on Wii U, and then they'll do, like, a fuller system of this on the next system, whatever that is. So, a couple years? The controller pro better be compatible. Uh, I don't know if it will be. But actually, that reminds you, there is something interesting about hardware, he said. Or that just may be the regular controller. I'm pretty sure they're going to go back to not the tablet. The gamepad's done after the Wii U. Oh, yeah. But the, um, what I was I say, is that reminds you? No, that's what I'm saying, like, but there's no reason the other controller should go to waste. I mean, they don't have Oh, yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it will. Especially because now that they have Nintendo Network IDs and they're like, we're having one platform, they need to make their accessories cross-compatible yeah. between the generations. Because they're saying, like, when you buy a new system, you're not switching over, you're just moving. moving. You're upgrading. So, like, most upgrades these days, your accessories still work. Except if you went from a 30-pin connector to a lightning cord on an iPhone, then you're screwed. But, um, but no, what I was going to say is kind of interesting is Nintendo, that, thank you for reminding me, that, uh, they're also doing stuff with hardware that I thought was kind of cool. He was saying, uh, I was saying, I think it was in the Q&A, not the main thing. Someone asked him about this. And he was basically saying that um, they could start doing different hardware configurations. Like, it used to be you had a box, and you bought the box, and the box was 300 bucks, and that was it. But with the Nintendo network data, they could actually anticipate what sort of people are going to, like, engage with the new system on what level. So, like, they could say, oh, this person has one, plays one game, and that's it. Versus this person has 30 games and plays them all the time. And then they can kind of tailor how they provide the hardware to customers based on that. He was super vague about this. He said that they have they were going to look into, quote, new and flexible ways to do it. But he didn't, like, he didn't elaborate. But how crazy would that be if it's like, oh, you're a hardcore Nintendo fan. Actually, knowing Nintendo would be like, oh, you're a hardcore Nintendo fan. You'll pay full price. But you over there, you only have a Wii Fit. Well, guess what? We have a special version of the Wii 2, 
not the Wii U, it's the new system now. Or, we have a special version of the NES, going back to that name. And it, you know, it doesn't have all the specs of the other one, but it's an NES that's custom designed for what you use it for. Like, they could do that now. It would be like an iPod Touch versus an iPhone. So it's kind of like, oh, here's the Wii Mini for someone that doesn't want any internet, anything. Yeah, it's basically the idea, I mean, from how I can interpret this, it's the idea that, like, yeah, they can sell the Wii Mini and the Wii U, but they can use the Nintendo network data to pitch those to the right people where it actually makes sense and you don't have all the Wii U owners going, why is this Wii Mini? Like, they just would never have to deal with it. Especially someone buy one today when I went to Best Buy. Really? Yeah, with Skylanders. No, not Skylanders, um, Disney Infinity. That makes sense, actually. I was actually wondering, is it compatible? Where would it plug in the little portal thing? Um, I mean, did they have USB ports? I don't even know. Yeah, no. I don't know if it works. I, mean, I, I, I don't know if it works with it, actually. I mean, I, I googled it just to ask if it was compatible, like, just to check if it was it? compatible, and apparently it is, but oh. they were saying, like, oh... like Oh, you plug it into the Wiimote, don't you? Just like you would a classic controller? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Let's assume that's what you I mean, mean, I looked at it, like, really, because just, like, I mean, he was, like, two people behind me, so I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. Like in case it wasn't, I would tell them like, "Oh yeah, they don't work with each other." Well, apparently it does, but that's you yeah. That's just a buy good... a Wii U, help them you out. You should, you should, random I mean, you're stranger at Best Buy. What twenty bucks right now? Because the Wii U is so cheap. But you mean the Wii Mini? The Wii Mini. I was like, the Wii U is not cheap. <laughs> yeah, Two hundred fifty. Right. But yeah, you did. I mean, three hundred. What? They did. Yeah. They did. No, I said but, they're named. They're too similar. I know. They, and I said, oh, they are. As I said, they named them too similar. Let's oh. have a, dis- a dissection of exactly the verbiage we use. <laughs> but um, no, I was, I was going to say, though, that the uh, all this stuff I've just been like speculating about, this is what drew, drove me absolutely crazy about this investor meeting. And not in a good way. Everything was so hypothetical. And everything was so what if. And everything was like, we could do this or we could do that. It's just like, if you're supposed to be reassuring investors, you can't really be cryptic or vague. You have to kind of be like, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And stays like, so we found this alphabet. It's 26 letters, and some of them look pretty appealing. I might like X, and I might like Y. I don't know about Z, but I'll get back to you. For, we, for all you know, we may end up with Q. Instead of just being like, we're doing X, Y, Z, done. Like, it's, it's just, it's very weird how absolutely cryptic and vague everything was. And, like, another example of that, it wasn't even just, like, Nintendo Network. He was doing it with everything. Like, he was talking about licensing new characters out, and he was just saying that, like, Nintendo's reversing their policy now. They realize they can make money by by whoring out Mario, <laughs> and they now plan to. And he was basically saying that, yeah, we want to... What we're going to do is we're not going to put them in stuff that competes with us directly. So any sort of thing that we think can have any direct competition or hurt our sales, obviously we're not going to put Mario in. But for, like, miscellaneous merchandise and other stuff, sure, we'll do it. And then someone in the audience is like, during the Q&A, was like, okay, so what specifically do you have in mind? And our water responded with, I don't know. He basically, they were like, so is it could be like Hello Kitty, like that whole empire, like what Samparo does, or whatever their name is, where it's just like... Uh, yeah, whatever it is. And it's just like, oh yeah, they have Hello Kitty this, Hello Kitty that, Hello Kitty underwear, like, they have everything. Is it could be like that? And I was like, well, there might, there might be some overlap. I don't know. It depends on what the light, it depends on what people come to us with as proposals, and we'll decide case by case. It's like, okay, that's great, but shouldn't you have some sort of... You're Literally, they're like, well, we'll see if it conflicts with us. And if it doesn't, sure. But I don't know what it would be. I, <laughs> I'm i just the CEO of the company. Don't look at me. It's like, really? <laughs> you all should the, have some idea. I was looking through their list of um, their partnerships and all the little mm-hmm. bumps to see, like, oh, I mean, I've always we've always known that Connect was, like, their... Um, connect construction. Oh, connect construction toy. Connect. I thought you meant connect. Like, and I'm like, I mean, they have some really cool things with their Mario Kart, but I would have really liked to see Lego versions of a lot of their franchises. Yeah, like they almost had Zelda Legos like three times. Well, those were the fan picks. Yeah, fan made like, oh, if they get like a certain number of votes, Lego will 
try to make it happen, but obviously they can't yeah. because they have Nintendo should, Yeah, and like stuff like that Nintendo's already been doing. I mean, I was said in that exact meeting, he said that, yeah, we've been doing it in the U.S. for a while, but now they're going to like step it up a notch. One weird thing is that investors like, yeah, you're going to like put, have smartphone wallpapers? And I was like, I'm, wait, that costs money? Do you license mm-hmm. those? I'm pretty sure I could stick Mario on my phone right now. Like, that, that is a weird... And I was like, yeah, we could do that. It's like, who, what world are you living in? <laughs> who pays for a JPEG? I don't understand. I think they but, just mean they'll make, like, specifically... Yeah, I think they meant art. themed smartphones. Yeah. But it was just kind of... I just thought that was a really weird question. But, um, yeah, it's like they... Another weird comment he made that was equally vague was he's like, yeah, we might be over, open to mergers and acquisitions in relation to licensing. Hmm. And and people were like, uh, what? Like, I, I guess he means, he didn't really elaborate. He's just like, yeah, we might do mergers, might do acquisitions. I assume he means of physical product makers. So it could be like, Nintendo makes their own line of Nintendo toys. Or something. Like that. I really don't know. But he just kind of said it. Because someone's like, yeah, are you open to mergers? He's like, yeah, we can be open to mergers. I don't know if we'll do any, but we do have the money. Just like, okay. I mean, that's, frankly, that's a more truthful answer than the vague stuff he was saying before. Like, they don't know. But it's just weird that they didn't think that one through at all, but they're obviously talking with companies to produce things for them, so it seems like the natural step would be, well, do we want to produce them ourselves? I don't know. That that one that one was a little less weird, but still odd to me. Yeah, interesting. They produce their own toys, go back full circle. Yeah. I mean, they still make uh, a Funda, or whatever you call it, cards in Japan. Hanafuda? Hanafuda. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they still make their own, so I mean, they could. But I think the vaguest and weirdest and biggest bombshell of all this, the first of our bombs away bombs... Was their new platform. Their quality of life platform. Or are they called the call? Yeah, the call. Q-O-L. Qual. Call? That would be Q-U-O-L. Yeah, you're right. The call. So, um, yeah, this thing. Basically, it could potentially be really cool. But basically, uh, what Nintendo wants to do is, and this is how I want to close the press, the press event. He's like, so yeah, we're going to do some stuff. And, and then we have this. And then, and then fire shot up from behind the stage, and, and Trapezar swung by, and out emerged a Wii Fit balance board. No, but uh, he was saying that what they want to do is they want to expand into a new, entirely new range of products, an entire new platform that falls under quality of life, which is this idea of improving people's health, educating them, doing things that better them in some way, but in an interactive, fun way, essentially. The thought behind it, I was thought process behind this, is in the 12 years he's been... Um, CEO of Nintendo, he started the whole Blue Ocean strategy idea where they went after new markets and they saw great success with quality of life style stuff. Brain Age helps you have better memory. We Fit helps you be ex- helps you exercise. They have cooking apps to help you cook, obviously. But like, so he just wants to take this idea and kind of go to the next step, which is we they had all the Touch Generations games and they were all these quality of life products. So why not put those quality of life products in their own category, separate from the gaming stuff, so that you know, if someone wants a Wii U, they're buying it for the games. If someone wants the Qual, they're buying it for that stuff, essentially. It's not, I mean, honestly, it's yeah, not a bad idea. A non-wearable, or there was like yeah, that's it, right? what's really, that's where it gets cryptic again. Because right now it's like, oh, cool, so they're making like a casual machine, whatever, that's fine. But then he went on to say exa- exactly that, that it's going to be, the first thing they're doing is health and fitness related, or at least health related. And they want to leapfrog over whatever they think the current trend that's going to fall apart is, which is wearables. So they want to do what's next, which is non-wearable. You inject a chip into I, yourself. Um, no, that's still... You're still wearing it inside you. <laughs> he means like some, something it. in the home. Something in the home. 
That's what he was getting at. I mean, you're carrying the chip. You're not wearing it. True, but something in the home is what he was getting at. Like he straight up said, it might not be in the living room. Oh, that was it, his hint. It might not be in the living room, but it's in your home. It, it sounds like it, it would be some sort of camera sort. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, then I, it's too much like the connect. Like, I, mean, I don't. Else, I mean, what else could it be? I don't know. Now, here's the thing. Like, we, I feel like we need to take a step. Can be the vitality sensor. No, because <laughs> I mean, it could if it's attached to a whole new box of some sort. But here, well, here's the thing. He. He did, during the Q&A, someone's like, can you tell us anything about it? And he just went down this weird list of examples where he's like, well, Nintendo has this habit. And it's true of touch generations. It's why Nintendo's entering this whole health and fitness quality of life thing to begin with. Nintendo has the innate, or not the innate, the unique ability of taking random things and making them fun and interactive. They took a watch. These are his examples, but they're totally true. They took a watch. They took a clock you put on your desk and made it a game with Game & Watch in the 80s. They took a pedometer and stuck a Pikachu in it and made Pokemon Pikachu and it was suddenly a game. They took a bathroom scale and made it wirelessly hooked to your Wii and created a whole phenomenon with Wii Fit. Like, they have a good track record of being able to do this stuff. And then, now that I think about it, not only that, but they're still doing it, just very subtly. If you look at the 3DS, they're doing quality of life stuff on there already. Street Pass gets you go outside in the world and do stuff and talk to people and be social and yada yada. That is arguably is a quality of life thing they're improving what your life your life <laughs> or like a better example than thank that you, Nintendo. or a better example thank you good guy nintendo or a better example would be uh play coins you're encouraged to walk the more you walk the more stuff you get to unlock stuff in games that's like the most quality of life you could get i'll admit the first one about social quality of life you, you could say is kind of a ridiculous argument but the second one with play coins for sure so like they're still doing it to this day so it does make sense that they would do something like this. They would do some sort of quality life. Like, it, it fits them. It does mesh with what Nintendo does well. But yeah, I have no idea what shape it's going to take. Because, I mean, by dropping hints, like, we made a watch into a game. We made a peak or a pedometer into a game. We made a bathroom scale into a game. That basically means anything in your house could become a game in Nintendo's eyes. It could be like, hey, have you ever had fun flicking a light switch? Now you will. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I have, I have no idea what it's going to be, to be honest. Um, we'll find out soon. They're announcing it this year. It'll be out between April 2015 and March 2016. I think it's going to be through some other venue. That's Probably not three. It's going to be their own specialized event, is my guess. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely not going to be E3. Because the, the whole point is this isn't a game machine in the traditional oh, good sense. Point, good point, good point. But it, it is interesting to note, though, that not only are they planning to take game elements and put them in these quality of life procs, but they expect one or two years after it comes out, they will make all sorts of new discoveries of what sort of new game elements they can take out of the quality of life proc and put into games, like real games, like Nintendo games. So, like, if they discover some neat way to interact with something or some new idea of how to progress through something, they'll filter it right back. It'll be a two-way street, ultimately, where it's like they have these two individual product lines, but they will cross-talk a lot in terms of how they are conceptualized. So, I mean, it could be cool. And I have to admit, Nintendo always is very good at delivering the unexpected. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to talk about mobile. They're going to announce their mobile point. And then when those people zig, Nintendo zagged, and it's like, hey, you know that wearable trend right now? Yeah, we're going to kind of pretend that's not happening and jump ahead of it. Or so they think. But at the same time, I mean, maybe maybe I'm being paranoid, but I kind of think this could end up actually hurting because, well, one, who knows if this actually is a blue ocean or not. Nintendo's saying it's probably a blue ocean. They're saying they probably can get all these new people to interact with things in a new way. Like, you're not used to interacting with your bathroom scale, but you do now as a Wii Fit. You know, they could argue that. But every major electronic company under the sun, every major one, Apple, Samsung, Microsoft, Google, all of them, Sony, all of them, are making wearable fitness health products. They're being built into phones. They're being built into smartwatches. They're being built... Everyone has them. 
So if Nintendo really thinks they could waltz in in a year and be like, you know that thing on your wrist? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and put it back in your house. And you'll use it in your house and not keep take it everywhere with you. I don't know if that's necessarily going to work. They could have a brilliant idea. They already, that, have, they already have the Wii Fit meter. Right. I mean, they could have a brilliant idea of some new thing in the home that is as innovative as they're saying. But I feel like as everyone's going into wearables and it's like we're leapfrogging to non-wearables, it almost feels like a step backwards, not forwards. I could be totally wrong. I obviously have no idea what they're doing. But just in, in concept, it seems like they're going in reverse slightly. The bigger issue for me, though, than even that, because, I mean, they could have a great surprise. You never know. But the bigger issue is this is essentially a third pillar. Remember Nintendo's whole third pillar thing they did back in the GameCube days? The GameCube, the Game Boy Advance, and the new Nintendo DS, our third pillar. We will have three systems, and they will all live in harmony. One will not cannibalize the other. We will have the GameCube, the Game Boy Advance, and the Nintendo DS. They did that because they didn't know if the DS would take off. It was really weird. It had two screens. It's like, well, what is this thing? Nintendo didn't have faith in it, understandably. Well, they had faith in it. They just didn't know if the public would accept it. Mm. So I remember and when those then, first screenshots of the 3D games came out, I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah, whoa. I know, right? Is that Metroid Prime-looking game? Mm-hmm. Hunters looks so good. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but here, here's, the, here's the thing I found funny about that three-pillar strategy. Around. Yes. Yeah, but uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, the thing I find funny about the the three pillar strategy, you know what doesn't exist anymore? Game Boy. It's because the third pillar, DS, completely ate up the Game Boy. So the idea that Nintendo's gonna have these two completely independent plat, or like they're gonna have their gaming side and their fit, health, quality of life product, makes me very hesitant because last time that they had a handheld a console and a third thing the third thing took off did super well and they're like we don't really need that other one anymore and they just kind of shifted away i don't think nintendo's gonna completely drop their heritage but quite frankly if i was nintendo and my quality of life product skyrockets in sales and stuff like the wii u and 3ds keeps happening where so sales are like sinking down slowly i'd go is it worth the investment couldn't i just make a quality of life game skin with mario or something everyone likes mario and sell it over there and just not make traditional games as much, if ever. Like, this could, depending on how it plays out, and this is being super, like, dramatic, this could eventually lead to the end of traditional Nintendo systems. If quality of life takes off. I mean, in theory, right? Like, they have shown before that when they have three products, they were, they are happy to chop one off if the other one cannibalizes it or eats its lunch. So I actually didn't know that the DS was supposed to be a third pillar. I always yep. just assumed it was supposed to be the successor to the... SP no, that's why the SP, if you recall, the Micro came out after the DS, a whole year after. And the SP, and Game Boy Advance in general, had games for about two or three years after launch. Because they were juggling the two of them in case the DS didn't catch on. Because the Game Boy brand was like the strongest brand in like handheld gaming. Huh. And the DS was this weird offshoot thing. And then the DS took off, and they're like, we don't need Game Boy anymore. And they shifted, completely. They, they, had, they had a next-gen Game Boy in development and ready to go if the DS flopped. I mean, it wasn't ready to go, but they could have switched gears and had a single-screen, powerful 3D handheld if they needed it. Hmm. So, yeah, it was always post- it was always pitched as a third pillar just in case. So then, if the, you know, if it didn't work, they didn't have a PR nightmare. They're just like, yeah, it was a third pillar. We knew that was what it would do. We're focused on Game Boy. But then, of course, it destroyed Game Boy. So, so yeah, that's what Nintendo's doing in the future. They do have more immediate plans, though. Because, like, quality of life thing, that's not until 2015 or 2016. All this mobile payment stuff, who knows when that's going to... Or new payment methods, who knows. Mobile stuff sometime this year, but it's really vague. But, of course, the bigger thing is they have the Wii U right now, sitting on store shelves, collecting dust, not doing anything, and they plan to address that. 
So I will specifically send in the um. What, the, the, the thank you. Yeah, I just blanked out. In the investors meeting, he specifically said that they're not doing a price cut. I mean, they're losing money on the system. They're losing money as a company. They can't really afford a price cut. And what's the point? Clearly, it did not do all that much the first time. So they're not doing a price cut. He, instead, he thinks that the issue with the Wii U still stems from confusion about the gamepad. That it's a new system. That's not accessory to the Wii. That's not just a Wii with a weird tablet, but an actual brand new system. And India highlight this is what he says and you highlight the wii u gamepad in ways that make it clear it's a separate thing that they can use and it's not just the same old so he basically wants to double down on the gamepad he went yep we have failed with the gamepad up till now so you know what we're gonna do we're gonna keep trying we're gonna we're, we failed with <laughs> we're this gonna thing. hammer it in until you yeah, get it <laughs> we, exactly it's like we, we failed with this thing so naturally what we're gonna do is we're gonna double down on the thing we failed on which is like from a marketing perspective yeah. from a selling salesman perspective not as a device like as we said last episode we both love the thing but but i mean do you think like after it's definitely been well it hasn't been a year and a half but it's been over it's, well, well it's over been two year. holiday seasons yeah yeah so, i mean it's been well over a year and even nintendo still had to release like a handful of games that really make the gamepad like yeah really sad. i mean they're the last two games i'm counting donkey Kong country like, well see that's the, yeah that's the that's the weird thing so during the investor meeting i was like yeah we're gonna double down on gamepad we're gonna make games that really demonstrate how it's used we had nintendo land we had stuff we had gaming warrior we had stuff like that sure but those were multiplayer gaming warrior a little less so but the whole pitch of game I mean, warrior was your friends sit with you but that's not really using it in yeah, an I mean, enticing map, way I mean, map was handy, but, I mean, but yeah yeah it wasn't like a system seller but i mean it's so, not like something that like oh i mean i still appreciate the map there but i guess like if they really want me to be Oh. Yeah, I, I feel like we talked about this last episode where it's yeah, like, we if did. we were playing it on PS3, it'd be like, oh, I have to press a button for the map. Oh, yeah, uh, versus, yeah. I need this on my game thing. controller yeah. right now. But, uh, I was going to say though that he's now saying they now need to emphasize how the gamepad can work for single-player experiences in unique and interesting ways. Now, maybe I'm crazy, but isn't this whole train of thought of they need to demonstrate the gamepad and they really need to, like, you know, hype it up. Didn't they try this for the past... 14 months and didn't it like you know not work <laughs> like i feel like we've been through this song and dance before actually pikmin 3 i feel probably did the best job of it Cause but mean, even I, that wasn't necessary in the old game you well, just pop i mean it was super handy well, I mean, it was, well I guess, yeah i mean it was handy but i mean it definitely taught me how to play pikmin 3 or pick yeah, i guess pikmin right. in a completely different way i mean now i mean with the three little astronauts now you have like autopilot mode Right. So that was just like it just added to the multitasking. There were reasons to like keep looking at the gamepad. But you have to wonder have it how can Nintendo be... sell that to people besides yeah. going it's a map that you can touch. <laughs> like <laughs> like there it's really hard. And I mean, it doesn't help that Nintendo's like we're doubling down on the gamepad and then like you said, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, you have off T V play. If you're not using off T V play, the screen is blank. Mario Kart eight, you have off T V play. If you're not using off T V play, you have a horn. And a very small map. Yeah. It's just like, it's really... But those are all also multiplayer games. And as soon as you have a multiplayer game, you can't really use the gamepad That's for anything. That's true. But even then, it's weird to hear Iwago, we need to double down on the gamepad. This year, we're doubling down. Except not until the second half of the year, because we have no games coming out in the first half that use the gamepad whatsoever. It's just like, come on, Nintendo. Like, you've been working well, on this for I mean, 14 months. You can do something. But I mean, also, like, you have to keep in mind that I feel they do also have to release these kind of games just so other com- developers can be like, okay, we don't, we could still make amazing games without using the gamepad, so there's no reason not to use Yeah, but at this game. point, they need to use the game. Well, in Iwata's mind, I don't know if I agree with this, in Iwata's mind, at this point, the gamepad needs to be the selling point because they need to get people to go, oh, that's why I need the Wii U. That's true. Cause they get so that- they want more Zombie U and less um, 
Batman or Arkham Origins, which didn't even use it. Like Arkham City, oh, actually, a better example. They want more Arkham Origins, less. I mean, more Arkham <laughs> City, less Arkham Origins, because Origins stripped all the gamepad stuff that was in Arkham City out, and it was just like a static menu or something. They took out everything, literally everything. Yeah. They didn't have the like gyro flying or anything, um, or item throwing. I mean, but the the bigger issue is, are we at the point now where Nintendo's just like? Sticking their head in the sand and going, everyone will like the gamepad. Everyone will like the gamepad. There's nothing wrong with the gamepad. It's good. It's good. It's good. Because I feel like they've been doing this. I think people might know what the gamepad is and just, you know, not care. Like, I think we're at that point where you're two years in, two holidays in, you advertise like crazy. And I don't know about crazy. Well, not like crazy, but you advertise <laughs> like a it. a reasonable man. You advertise it, at, yeah, at, at a sane level. <laughs> and, and no one cares. Like, is it? Literally, no one cares. Do people? Is this product not appealing to Westerners? In Japan, they uh, I want to admit they picked up steam a little once they advertised heavier. They were starting to sell a hundred thousand of these a week. Huh. They can't even sell a hundred thousand of these a month over here. So on a non-holiday month. So I'm just wondering, like, are we at the point where Nintendo just needs to accept no one cares? And do and do people not care, or am I misreading this? Hmm. Like, it's I don't know. Maybe we should just like survey. Just go to like a Best Buy or something. And just like ask people. Like, oh, do you know what the Wii U we is? could go sit and watch the demo unit at Best Buy, and I guarantee you we will see a very small number of people try it. I was there today and a few weeks ago, and um, every time I passed by the demo unit, there was always someone there. Kid, little kid. Yeah, it was a little kid. Custom Mario, right? Um, it was Sonic World, Lost World, and um, well, bright, colorful platformer. Okay, close yeah, enough. And um, Winter Games. I guarantee. I've They're only seen a lot of trouble. Um, Playing the, the game, the, the snowboard one. But, yeah, I, I could see that. Actually, that's something interesting about the Well, it was a 12-year-old. I don't think he should have had that much trouble. But. Uh, that's something interesting, though. That makes a good point. The demo units are confusing. If you walk up to a demo unit and you don't know what the Wii U is, there are three controllers sitting there. <laughs> and they don't tell you which one to pick up. You just have to kind of figure it out. Like, well, I don't know. Do I grab the Wiimote? Do I, I grab I, the gunchuck? Do I grab the gamepad? I do want to gravitate to the gamepad, but some games do, do you? use the Wii do you? Because a lot, of ki- a lot. I know we would, but a lot of people well, are like, "Oh, what's like the weirdest thing there?" Right, but it's like, yeah. But if you look at a Wii, you go, "Oh, the primary controller is the Wii mode and nunchuck, and then I have accessories like the zapper or the balance board or the gamepad." So if I want to play the game, I pick up the Wii mode nunchuck first, and then when the game tells me use the other thing, I go, "Oh." Like when Mario Kart says, you know, when you start playing Mario Kart Wii, it tells you you can use the Wii wheel. You don't. Like, when, it, when you start the game, it pops up, like, Wii Wheel supported. So you're like, oh, I can use the Wii Wheel. Like, you're prompted, now go get the Wii Wheel. So I wonder if people are grabbing the controllers, like, well, why is this not working? Why am I not being told what to do with the other thing? Like, I don't know. I might be overthinking this, but I wonder. I think that might be part of it, too. Wow. So, I, I don't know. But, um, I mean, two Nintendo's credit, it's not going to be for lack of trying. If When they double down on the gamepad, even if, you know, no one cares. Because they're actually, one major way they're going to be pushing the gamepad is they're doing a real NFC game. Not Pokemon Rumble, not an eShop thing, like a major NFC project. And I walked in, once again, he likes being vague. He didn't say what, he just said it'll be shown at E3. And I'm going to go ahead and venture... Smash Bros. Trophies. Yep, that's my guess. I'm like 95% sure that it's going to be Smash Bros. Trophies. You'll collect physical trophies, they will unlock things in the game. Including their digital counterparts with their history. That'd be amazing. That'd be so amazing, and I would lose so much money so fast. I will. I'm looking right now. Like, what can I sacrifice? You don't even have room in your room to do this. Who are you kidding? I think I. I no, I can't retire that shelf. You literally have no room in here, whatsoever. Well, I'll build a shelf. A shelf I could hang on the wall like that one. Yes, yeah, so everyone can see what you're pointing to. <laughs> so, so Jose's pointing to a shelf that's hanging on a wall. So the one that he's 
that's I know that's exactly what you said. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, good, good, good podcasting right here. Well, uh, I know, I know, but um, yeah, no, you wouldn't need another show. This is a riveting conversation for people who've not been in your room. So, oh, Bologian so, and shelf. yeah, Bologian and shelf. So uh, just to fill you in on Jose's room, it's rectangular. It has a door. It has a floor. It has a ceiling. It has some shelves. And we're trying to find a spot for another shelf. That's pretty much how it works. That's you know shelf life. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so they're going to do something with NFC. That's one thing they're doing in terms of doubling down on the gamepad that they're getting to specifics about. The other thing they're doing is uh, they're going to enhance the Wii U itself to really kind of hype up off-TV play a little more. Off-TV play is great, as we all know, us Wii U owners, and off-TV play is kind of buried in there. Like, every game does it slightly different. Every game, like, you have to find it. You have to go through the main Wii menu on the TV. Yes, you can jerry-rig it and press X and have it come down to, you know, you can switch the screens and do it on the... But still, you have to turn on the Wii in its entirety. It takes about... Nintendo calculated this. It takes about 20 seconds from when you first press power to you get into the game and have it on off-TV play. Hmm. They're hoping to speed that up. This summer, they're going to put out a uh, firmware update. This is actually pretty cool, where uh, they'll have a special custom menu on the gamepad that you can access whenever. Just like when you hit the TV button, it pops up the remote. You'll be able to pop up a mini Wii U menu. Inst- well, not quite instantly, but like within two seconds or so. They have a demo video on, their, on the uh, transcript for this. And it'll just be the game icons, nothing else. Or anything that supports the gamepad, I guess. You just press the one you want, it jumps you right into the game, and I believe it takes you right into... It must have to take you right into off-TV play. I would assume. Hmm. Maybe not that last part. I don't think they confirmed that, but it'd be kind of a hassle if you're like, well, TV's off, I got my gamepad on, I don't know how to turn on off-TV play. I feel like it won't, just because, I mean, the games themselves would have to... They could put patches out for their first-party stuff. I'm thinking about, like, well, I guess I'm just thinking third-party stuff. Yeah, I, the more I think about it, I like I said, that part he didn't actually say. It just seems like the logical next step. I mean, I but like, um... Even then, even if you still have to turn it on yourself, it's still much quicker. Yeah. I mean, what were you going to say? No, I mean, it's just really like how um, Sonic transforms, Sonic Racing, All-Stars Racing transforms. Oh, where like, you do the flick? Yeah, you just, like, swipe it down. And that's it. Yeah, that's it's it. very, very Apple-feeling. Yeah, you just do it whenever. Yeah. So, um, are they making the new Sonic Racing? They, not, they haven't announced anything. Sonic Racing Sonic Boom. No, no. We'll get to Sonic Boom, mm-hmm. trust me. Uh, I mean, or unless you, or unless you Sonic R? No, no, no. no. I, meant, I meant Sonic All-Stars Racing. Oh, no, no, a new one. I don't, I don't what? No, not a new Sonic game where I mean, he happens to run fast. <laughs> That's every Sonic game. No, no, I mean Sonic R, like the old computer game with like a racing game. Yeah, yeah, but he's running. With the horrible reputation. And he's running. Yeah. he. It's a running racer. It's a marathon, if you will. Yeah. Well, he's the only one running. Everyone else is, like, in a car or somewhere. That's how it should be. Sonic doesn't need to drive a car. He can go faster on foot. Especially with his super long, lanky legs in Sonic Boom. I mean, those freakishly long things could probably propel him quite quickly. Or at least have him... Not really propel him, because that would more drag. But he could step very far. He could probably step over half of a continent with those legs. They're huge. We'll get to that. Anyway, um, there was one other component of the Wii that's probably worth mentioning that Nintendo's hoping to immediately do to fix the system. And as, of course, just getting games onto the market. Iwata says they won't be having any droughts, and then he backed it with absolutely nothing. He literally is just like, yep, yep, we're going to do a better job of a consistent release schedule. Mario Kart in May. Okay, nothing between now and May, except Donkey Kong next week, but sure, Mario Kart in May. So, um, Mario Kart in May. May. He confirmed that Mario Kart 8 is coming out worldwide this May. And that was his evidence of how there is not a software drought. Because there's Donkey Kong in February and Mario Kart in May. So clearly, we only live in two out of the 12 months and we're okay. (laughs) 
I mean, I'll give him credit. The last half, the later half of the year probably has stuff. In their financial report, they did confirm here in the U.S. we're getting Smash Bros., uh, Bayonetta 2, Monolith Soft's X, that new RPG, and Hyrule Warriors, the Tecmo Nintendo... Um, Tecmo Koei Nintendo crossover project. We're getting all that this year in the U.S., but there's no way they're coming out before May if they haven't announced any details on them yet. So basically, yes. From now till May, maybe even June, we have a whopping two games. And then from June beyond, we have four. Sounds like a pretty pretty steady lack of a drought there. I mean, I guess one every two months isn't too bad, but we know it's going to be backloaded. It's going to be Donkey Kong this coming, you know, this month, Mario Kart in May, then like one game in August, two game, one, one game in November, one game in December, and like one in either September or October. That's how yeah. it's probably going to pan out. But it's just like, I don't know why you would say there won't be a game drought if you don't have anything to prove there won't be a game drought. So, I, it's, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But it's, 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 the problem is, in the past, Nintendo could go, well, we have third-party games. We could fall back on third-party games. But they don't really have third-party games this time. In fact, they're losing third-party games. Namco Bandai actually just announced the other week, or confirmed the other week, that Pac-Man Museum is no longer coming to Wii U and 3DS, for that matter. I wasn't planning on buying it, but I was still kind of disappointed to hear that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, guys, they said that there's development delays, which is totally code for, we decide it's not worth the investment. And here's the thing that I, that it's the most annoying about that. Pac-Man Museum is literally a collection of ROMs of older Pac-Man games that are being emulated. It was on DS, isn't it? Uh, a different version, yeah. Oh. They've made like seven of them. Yeah. But it's literally a bunch of ROMs with a menu. And they made an emulator and they stick it on a disc and they put the ROMs on and you're done. The fact that it's not coming to Wii U because of development delays, which means not worth the investment, is kind of sad. Because the investment on this is so little. We're still getting 90s arcade racer, right? Nope. Actually, Nine Dark Rates looks super good. I know, I'm, they I'm just getting, confirmed. They just it. confirmed it's going to run in 720p, uh, 60 frames per second on Wii U. Nice. You can do off TV on the gamepad. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited about. It. I was going to put it in our um, like we do in, for those listening. We do an outline of all this stuff, and I was going to put it in there, but then I realized I don't know if there's enough to say about it. But I just said plenty, so so there we go. But yeah, Nine Dark Racer is is. Uh, I'm really excited about that. I love the 90s, like, Sega games that inspired it. Like, Daytona USA and stuff. He's played those in arcades. And, like, Rush. I know it's Midway, but still. He's played those in arcades all the time. Rush 2, I rented for N64, like, a bajillion times. So great. The stunt mode in Rush 2, so great. Anyway. Uh, yeah, third-party support on Wii U is basically non-existent. So, Namco Bandai, like I said, they pulled Pac-Man Museum, which is, like, that's very, like, someone going, you know what, let's not release our virtual console game on second thought. Too much money. So, there's that. And then on top of that, we also have Warner Brothers games starting to can stuff. Uh, the DLC for Batman Arkham Origins, a game already out on Wii U, was just pulled due to lack of demand. So, basically, how it worked is uh, you did a season pass, and they would release, you know, every few months, new DLC. And anyone that bought a season pass is now getting a full refund and gets to keep the DLC they already have for free. Because Warner Brothers is like, yeah, there's not enough people for this investment yeah, to be worthwhile. If you wanted to fit through the Mr. Freeze campaign, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. And the problem... you have another console. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with this, to me, is not so much, oh no, we're not getting DLC. That, unfortunately, is par for the course for a Nintendo fan. The problem is, Warner Brothers is one of the strongest supporters of the Wii U. And if they're going, no one's buying our game, no one's buying our DLC, they are going to not make more games, most likely, for the Wii U. Or at least greatly limit them. So, that's just, you know, even more of... Nintendo's a software drought, and now here's a third party who used to be a pretty heavy supporter and used to fill those holes in the lineup, and now they're even like, yeah, we're not selling our stuff. So, 
I don't know. Then, of course, there's the whole back and forth about Watch Dogs, where every day it's canceled and uncanceled and recanceled and uncanceled. It was supposed to come out a long time ago, huh? Yeah, well, no, uh, yes. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be out in November, then it got delayed, and then for the past month, roughly, every other day there's a new story about, is Watch Dogs canceled on Wii U? Is it back? And then they had a whole trademark snafu where someone impersonated Ubisoft and canceled the Watch Dogs trademark. So then everyone was like, is Watch Dogs canceled altogether? And then they're like, no, it's back. And then they're like, well, about Wii U? And they're like, no comment. So, I don't, that's another thing. Why can't third parties just say yes or no to a game coming to Wii U? This whole dance they do every single time is so annoying. I mean... Like, literally... I just want to know if I could spend my money, like, well... Yeah. I'm not, I guess not spend it right then and there, but, like, like anticipate it, I guess. Yeah, it's just, like, it's Let me get excited about a game. It, I know, right? And then, like, Ubisoft has their financials coming out in a couple of weeks, so we'll know for sure about Watch Dogs. But it's just, like, they won't even confirm that it's still planned as of right now. They literally will go, we have nothing to say. We have no comment. Like, guys, seriously, get your act together. Like, seriously. But, um, so yeah, it's, you know, Nintendo's having some issues. If they can't have their first party full of stuff, and then they can't even get third parties. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some family-friendly fare that's going to come to the Wii U, and it'll be fine for the holidays a little, when they don't even need to fill the lineup quite as badly. But, um, I mean, Disney Infinity 2's been confirmed. Not for Wii U, just the present. Disney Infinity 2 has been announced as a thing that's happening. There's a new Skylanders for sure coming this year. Both of those sell really well on Nintendo platforms. I guarantee they'll be on Wii U. But And I want to even said actually, now that I think about it, in the investor meeting, he was saying that third-party issues, they tend to not involve the family-friendly and kid-friendly fair. Nintendo still gets those, no questions asked. And that's true. The LEGO movie video game, going full circle here, uh, the LEGO movie video game is on Wii U. And that's Warner Brothers, who just had disappointing sales with Batman. So, I mean, I was probably right. They're going to keep getting family friendly fair problem is most of that's not very exciting which means that the lineup's just gonna be kind of lacking so to Nintendo's credit i should give them credit where it's due the eShop might uh be a bit of a savior for them in two ways first up nintendo is beefing up the virtual console ds will now be coming to virtual console nintendo ds games and they're actually doing it kind of interestingly they're bringing it to the wii virtual console and they figured out a way to emulate the dual screens vertically on the gamepad is which is just one screen so oh. through software, yeah. So through, oh, through software, they're I, I, I stacking. Was, I was under the impression that it was going to be on the TV and the gamepad. The image they released in the financial meeting shows two top and bottom screen of Brain Age vertically on the gamepad. Oh. It's possible it will also stretch on both screens, but they need. I guess this is their off-TV play solution. Oh. I don't think that's exclusively how they're doing it. Don't don't. No no no, no 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 no. That's just what they're showing. That's just what they confirmed. Honestly, I didn't even think of the TV thing because the problem with that is so many DS games are built around the gap in the hinge. Like, if you look at so many vertically stretched no, DS no, games, I know what you mean. they the need con- that con- exact yeah. space yeah, or like else con- it's weird. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like Contra 4, even though... Contra, well, Yoshi that, Touch well, and but Go, even, but even that game, Yoshi's um, New Island. treats that space as if it's actually there so there's like a no man's land right there so some bullets could get lost in there. Yeah, I know. That's but, what I mean. Um, same with Yoshi's New Island, same with Yoshi Touch and Go, same with... There's a ton of them that do it. So if you have... The distance from your gamepad to the TV, that's just going to be jarring and weird. Yeah. No, but, but like, for a game like, um, Elite Beat Agents or Rhythm Heaven, where, I mean, on Rhythm Heaven, the screen is just a color. Oh, yeah, but they're not, I, but, I, the, but I don't want to see that on a big screen. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, they're wait, not going to. but gonna, it's also sideways, so, I mean. It's yeah. going to be side, no, no. Yeah, Rhythm Heaven, you play sideways, so. Oh, like, well, that one's like, never going to be emulated, then. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of games you can't do. Well, no, no, it can be, it can be, because Brain Age was vertical as well. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess you would just have, like, a strip. Kind of like how, um, when you're playing the... For those of you that played on um, Wii Party U, there's those little 
I guess some little game that you play with just like two people on one game. Kind oh of. yeah, and on the TV they yeah, show it's, just like a it's like a vertical letterboxing almost. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like, like you're playing an iPhone game on the TV or something. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I guess they could that'd do be that. Their only option. That's that's how they're gonna probably do it. But yeah, all they confirmed is two on one screen. Mm-hmm. So, but that's coming sometime in the future. Because once again, and Nintendo like too. I mean, you can't really play button games with the gamepad sideways. Okay, in that case, they have to let you stretch it across the two screens. Yeah, I'm you're sure. right. That it has to. So that's weird that they yeah, only was... showed a screenshot. Brain. Maybe I'm misinterpreting this. Maybe Brain Age was shown as an example of look. We can also maybe this emulate. Been as good of an idea they thought it was. No, no, no. I think <laughs> I think the Brain Age thing. Now that I think about it, because I forgot it was a vertical game. The Brain Age image was probably oh hey look we can do vertical DS games too. Because mm. they said they overcame a technical hurdle to do DS emulation. I bet you that was it. It makes sense now. It's coming together. Yeah. But uh, the the annoying thing is they didn't say when they're going to do this. And we're still waiting on N64 games, which were promised over a year ago. Still hoping on GameCube games. So GameCube is probably, probably not. They yeah. could just do Wind Waker. I mean, Wind Waker HD sold over a million copies. Why wouldn't they just keep doing that? Stop making Actually, HD. I'm okay with that. I, can I would prefer HD makes yeah. over... Yeah. yeah, HD make. Yeah. That's what I said. Over... Uh, <laughs> over even make it. HD make it. Uh, yeah, I'd prefer that over just a straight up uh, emulation, I think. But and I can't really think of any N64 games that I would actually want to buy. I don't know if there's any I would either, because I could have gotten them on the Wii if I cared that much. Oh, yeah, or yeah. through the Wii well, Shop on the like, Wii U. Yeah, like, like any game that we would possibly but, want, I feel like we already have. But the fact of the matter is, they promised them a year ago. Yeah. Like, And now they're like, we're going to DS with no date, which makes me think, well, this is at least two years Honestly, away. The, the only game I would possibly I would consider buying is not even owned by them anymore. Well, never which was. Um, like the Banjo Louis. Oh. Those are the only games I would repurchase. Right, right. Actually, yeah, that's never going to happen. Oh, I never owned them, actually. You never owned Bandra because What is wrong with you? No, How can you be on a Nintendo podcast and never own one of the best things? No, they were given to my brother as a gift. Oh, so your family had them. No, like, no like, like like later, like in high school times, but I never uh, played them. On, I played it on in college on my laptop. How dare you, you pirate? How... How dare you call yourself a Nintendo <laughs> fan? And then you pirate I had, on it. I, I, I know, I remember. I, was I, I, know. I had a copy of the game, so it was all right. Yeah, that's debatable. I, <laughs> do... I could have it on the N64, but I chose to play it on the computer because... While sitting in a Japanese folklore class, I remember sitting next to you. Yeah. No, I used to watch you play. I'm acting like I didn't know you did this, but I was there. No, and I was game. an enabler. In the sense I didn't I stop know, you. you never stopped me. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, if you're the one that gets arrested for piracy, not my problem. But, uh... But that ship yeah. has long sailed, haven't It has. Yeah. The second thing Nintendo's doing, speaking of ships sailing, so this conversation, and we're going back to what Nintendo's doing on the eShop, that did not make sense. The second thing Nintendo has in their favor in terms of maybe fixing the game drought, at least for the spring, which is when it needs it most, is they have a really strong lineup of downloadable indie games coming out over the next couple of months. Close to 20 titles will be hitting Wii U and 3DS. 20. Like 17, I think, is the exact number. We'll be hitting Wii U and 3DS between now and, uh... We'll be hitting between now and end of spring. End of spring. So before we get to what those games are, though, we should probably just do a quick, like, here's what the briefing as a whole. Because that was all briefing news. That whole hour was just the briefing and financial. But It wasn't so, brief. It was not brief. I think the fact of the matter is, though, that uh, they needed to do this briefing. They needed to say something. I mean, they're floundering. They have to tell their investors what's up. And it, I don't know, I mean, it didn't look like the investors liked what they heard. Their stock went down four point three percent right after the conference, because you know investors were expecting mobile. They were expecting certain things to happen that clearly did. But it does seem like Nintendo has some actual solid ideas. It's just hard to say if they'll work. There was definitely a sense of, in my opinion, of them throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, oh, we could do different payment options, or oh, I guess we could do mo- this mobile advertising app that somehow has a hook that we don't know what it is, or we could have this crazy health product. But within those things, it sounds like they have legit ideas that could actually be fleshed out into really interesting stuff. 
So, I mean, they're being awfully big on that non-wearable quality of life, whatever thingamabob it is. Especially at a time where wearable devices are blowing up and are literally on the cusp of being the new it thing. And they're going like, eh, we don't need to do wearable, we can do non-wearable. So, I like that I don't know about. It seems like Nintendo has a bit more of a strategy yeah, with I Nintendo mean, Network and with mobile. But even then, want to give up their Fitbit like for something else. I mean, yeah, how many people are going to go, well, I have a Fitbit that works with my phone and it works with my iPad. Like, it's all interconnected. So I'm going to go ahead and ditch that and get Nintendo's Qual and yeah. just hang out with the Qual, like the whole, um, which can't leave my house. Like, like, people already said, like, oh, I already know what I'm going to play my Call of Duties on or my... Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess the only thing I think that's another reason it's super important Nintendo finally gets their Nintendo Network act together with a unified platform because so many people stick with Xbox or stick with PlayStation because that's where they built up their everything on the last generation. Yeah. So, I mean, this generation was a little difficult a lot of Xbox people were like, oh, it's DRM policies, blah. So they switched teams. But for the most part, a ton of people stay with what they have because they have their history there. They have their gamer scores, their trophies, their achievements, like, yeah, we got stamps that stay with. We the got game. stamps that stay with the game. Yeah, we got stamps that mean. No- well, now we have Miiverse stamps, which you can still only access from inside the game. <laughs> but that's the closest we're gonna get to achievements. I feel like. But um, I was saying though that like Nintendo Network, they definitely have more of a defined plan. Mobile, they have a plan of some sort, sort of that they need to have mobile. They don't know what the plan to implement mobile is, but at least they have a plan to have mobile. So I think it's just like. I think Nintendo long term will be maybe will probably get through this, but short term I really wonder what they're going to do about the Wii U because they didn't really explicitly say what they're going to do. That that's the thing that's so weird about this investment. Everyone's like, "Oh, the Wii U's failing. How are you going to turn it around?" And Nintendo said, "Well, hey, two years from now we're going to have something different. So you know, just ignore the Wii U because like they said, yeah, we're doubling down on gamepad. Yeah, we're having more games, but then they gave no evidence to support either claim. Mm. So just like, all right, sure, Nintendo, say what you want. So the Wii U has just become a pillar. Well, it was always a pillar. The problem is it's become a pillar that's probably going to be eaten up by another pillar. It's a crumbling pillar. Uh, And interestingly, even in the Q&A, I watched that they're not expecting to make a profit off the Wii U. Because someone's like, so how are you turning around your financials? He's like, oh, well, the 3DS will pull us through in the next year. The Wii U will kind of... He literally was like... He didn't say his exact words, but the the reading between the lines, he's like, yeah, the Wii U will be there, and we'll have a couple hits. Like he said, we'll have Smash Bros., we'll have Mario Kart. Those will drive some sales. But we're really banking on the 3DS. So yeah, the Wii U, it's not quite a lost cause, but it's getting there. They don't have much Unless cost. they can magically turn around with this doubling down on the gamepad, sounds like it's just going to be coasting at the level it's at. Which is unfortunate, because it is a cool little system. But I mean, to be honest, at the end of the day, as Nintendo fans, what we really care about are the games. So even though Nintendo's having financial issues, they have money in the bank, they can keep making games. In fact, matter is, there's an actually interesting game news that has come out in these past two weeks as well. So now that we've spent half the podcast on Nintendo as a company, we should probably spend the other half on the games that make the company so great in our eyes. So, with that said, those indie games I mentioned, let's jump over to game news and talk about the, that spring indie lineup because it's pretty impressive. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out in the next few weeks, to be honest. Um, so, few weeks. yeah, literally, one's already out. Uh, this one, I know Elvis, your brother, when he was on the show, didn't like it, but it's getting pretty good reviews. So here's, like, I'm just going to run down all the games. It's a ton. So this month, we just saw the release of Retro City Rampage DX on 3DS, like, two days ago, three days ago. And we'll be getting um, uh, Wooden Sensei in a couple weeks. Wooden Sensei, if you recall, is Neko Entertainment. Yeah, I saw a uh, for that. It actually looked- yeah, I played it at Indiecade back in October. It's actually really fun. It's uh, it's just, like, kind of a standard hack-and-slash platformer, but it's fun. It's, uh, you're just wooden, sen- this wooden metal ninja, basically, and you're going through these wooden worlds and 
solving puzzle. It's like a you know, it's like a old school Super Nintendo platformer with weaponry and stuff, except it's rendered in three D. And it's actually apparently the first Unity engine powered game to be released on the eShop oh. when it comes out later this month. So I had no idea it was the first one that was gonna actually hit the market, but hey, there's that. So that's in February. That's coming up in the next couple the weeks. System works. It does work. Then in March, uh, Wii U's going to be getting... Well, either... Actually, this one's Strauss Line. This was supposed to be Satisfying the Drought, right? Yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, next... Well, this month we're fine. We have Donkey Kong in two weeks. It's March where is the major drought. Last year, if you recall, Need for Speed, Lego City, and Monster Hunter came out two days apart all in March. This year, there is nothing physical. Only these in D. So, first, before I get to March, though, there is one game that could come out this month or could come out next month. And it's called, uh, where is, here we go, It'll Do. Hmm. Or Little Do with a lowercase l. I'm not sure which. I think it's It'll Do. And it, it, you probably have no idea what it is, but it's basically a top-down Zelda-inspired adventure game. With kind of a cool hand-drawn, cartoon-looking, uh, not cartoon, but like hand-drawn-ish graphic style. Like, it looks kind of chibi, almost. Hmm. But it's Zel- It's essentially a fan tribute to Zelda. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have that. That's, as soon it as It almost looks like a... How much... Well, I don't know. It looks almost too close to Zelda. No, 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 not that one. I know what you're thinking you're of. You're talking about It'll... Yeah, because that it'll one... It'll do? Oh, maybe. I'm talking about... Are you thinking of the one from the guy who did Gunman Clive that was coming to 3DS? Because that's cancelled. No. Or you are talking about it. No, I'm thinking do. of one... It'll do. It, it, did it get cancelled? I saw a trailer for it today. Oh, no, then that's It'll do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah the, that's the, com- the one that looks like the character almost looks like Link. Except I guess it kind of does, yeah. Except with the girl, and yeah. like, there's like a bunch of like block pushing. Yes. Like yes, 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 yes. Like it's top down. Like, it, yep. look, it looks. It's a it's a tribute. That's why it's yeah. a throwback. Literally throwing back directly to Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that could be out as early as this month or next month. But for sure, next month we're getting on Wii U uh, Ballpoint Universe on March 18th. That, if you recall, is the platformer that looks like it was entirely drawn on a note on notepaper using a ballpoint pen and it's a port of a pc game that came out a while ago it's supposed to be pretty good and then on march 24th a week later i'm super excited about this one i talked up like crazy after indicade uh the mario galaxy meets sonic the hedgehog meets monkey ball armillo which is shaping up to look really cool and it's uh basically you're an armadillo you're rolling around these globe looking things through different tracks and finding bosses and collecting items and stuff and has some 2D platforming levels as well. It looked very good. They put out a new trailer the other day that looked nice. So, mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. That's on March 24th. Also in March, though, are a whole bunch of other games. Uh, as we talked about last week, Moon or last episode, Moon Chronicles, the episodic version of... Uh, episodic update of Moon for the DS. That's coming out as soon as March, possibly April. Siesta Fiesta. I played this at Indicate as well. Mm-hmm. It's a 3DS title that combines block breaking with pinball with auto side scoring levels. It's like Brick Breaker or whatever it's yeah, called. For, yeah, for a second I thought... But... Is it Peggle? Is that what it's called? Peggle. No, it's not like Peggle. Brick Breaker. Peggle, Peggle, you're in like a pachinka, a pachinka looking... Maybe it is like Peggle. Well, basically, well, take Brick Breaker. Because I saw like more recently traded for Peggle and I'm like, whoa, it looks crazy. There's oh, Peggle like, 2. Be... Peggle 2 maybe. Well... Whatever, I haven't like, seen anything of Peggle 2. Yeah, like, I, well, I was watching a trailer for Siesta Fiesta before I really, before I knew it was Siesta Fiesta, uh, and I thought it was just, like, another version of Peggle. Maybe. Where, I mean, you have, like, something, like, a platform on the bottom yep. that you're bouncing something up and down. But see, that's but all like, riffing different... on Brick Breaker from back in the day. Yeah, but, I mean, but there's, like, different mechanics. I mean, it looked like a new twist on it. It is. Really it's, like... it's basically Brick Breaker, I guess, to some extent, Peggle, except the level's auto-scrolling left to right. It's actually pretty fun. Like I said, I played that one in EK2. Um, so that's coming in March. We're also getting... Scram Kitty and his buddy on rails in March, which is that 2D top-down rail shooter. Where oh, it's almost like a platformer, but you're on... Yeah, but the platform's are rail. on rails. Yeah. yeah. So that's coming in March. Uh, 
Shantae and the Pirates Curse for 3DS. That's also coming in March. I forgot for about that. I haven't heard about them for a long time. Yeah, it's it's because they they kind of lost their hype. They were bu- building it up so well last fall, and then well, they just stopped talking about it. Which I, 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 they can't. I, I feel like the Kickstarter also like kind of took them away from it because all of yeah. a sudden it's like, oh, we have another Shantae yeah, game that's coming out in and, HD, and then all of a sudden we're also working on some um, game. It's like a uh, I don't I forget what it's called. It's like. I guess it's based off an anime or something. Like they're de- they've been developing this anime. No idea. Game. No idea. It's like a girl. It's like a TV show. No idea. Well, I would assume an anime is a TV show by definition. No, well, it could well, be a movie. Well, I guess the, the, the the premise of the show is like it's a TV show where she's like a superhero or something. So it's Thirty Rock with a super Liz Lemon. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really familiar with the yeah, original I have no, I have no idea what you're talking context, about. but I mean, I guess they've been developing that too. So they've been uh, like developing well, they've they've, they've developed a ton of stuff. The issue, I think, is that I mean, they like, they're constantly of, doing. Different yeah, I mean, they projects. just came off of Ducktales, and yeah. I mean, I think their issue is that Shantae and the Half Genie Hero kind of took the yeah. I mean, took, pretty, knocked the wind out of their sails I mean, with Pirates Curse. They're like, they're like the biggest indie company, right? Aren't they? Maybe they're big. I don't know if they're the biggest, but they're big. They're not entirely indie either because they do well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're like a weird. They straddle the line. But either way, Shantae for 3DS is coming out sometime in March. I'm sure we'll see a ramp up of hype leading up to it. Also coming in March at some point for both Wii U and 3DS is the Crazy Hard, and now multiplayer, uh, they just added that, 1001 Spikes, which the two of us played back at Anime Expo here in LA in June of last year when it was only single player. And it's one of those, like, super hardcore, super, like, it's hard, you know, you really need to figure out the exact timing of your jumps to get to the end, kind of super Meat Boy-ish, but a little toned down. But what they added now is multiplayer where there's a bunch of you together in a stage at once trying to get to the end and avoiding each other. And it's like what New Super Mario Brothers you or we would be, like the co-op, except set in like crazy Super Meat Boy style gameplay. Mm. And it has a bunch of cameos of all these other characters. Like all the, there's a bunch of characters. Sounds frustrating. Yeah. And there's like characters that kind of look like Mario and kind of look like other, st- you know, typical video game characters. And then they have like Commander Veo from Bit Trip in there and kind of neat. So that's coming out sometime in uh, by the end of March, I believe. And on top of that, we're also getting an action RPG called Squid's Odyssey. Yeah. And a platformer called Nihi Lumbra. Sorry. The Gaming Universe got um, Octodad and now Squid's Odyssey? Exactly. Well, Squid's Odyssey, I think, was announced a long time ago. And I think it was a cell phone game first. I'm not sure. But yeah, everyone's... Yeah, Squid's and Octopuses are the new new birds. Yeah. Flappy Bird, Angry Uh, Bird. Oh, Tiny Wings? Tiny Wings. Oh. Now, Twitter Bird. Now it's going to be Octodad, uh, Squid, whatever I said. Squid Odyssey. Octopods. Uh, yeah. Um, Jellyfish Jam. Squid Squad. I'm copywriting that name, Jellyfish Jam. It's a music game, but you need like six arms to play it because you're a jellyfish. jellyfish I'm going to make noise. They have many more tentacles than just fish, I think. Yeah, they do, actually. I was thinking of a squid. <laughs> anyway, so that's coming. That's all coming. Um, in March, then sometime in, or maybe even before April, it's it's kind of straddling the line, uh, we're going to be getting Teslagrad on Wii U, which is that kind of cool, we talked about it way back when it was first announced, it's basically that electric theme puzzle platformer, it's kind of, it's sort of like Professor Layton-y in graphic style, and it's set in London, but it's it like involves a, it a lot of... It has te- a traditionally animated art style. It does, it's, yeah. It looks pretty, pretty neat. It looks super cool in person, it was yeah. also at NDK back in October, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, so that's coming in possibly before April, definitely by in April, if not. And we're also finally getting, you asked about this last episode, uh, Cube Director's Cut, which is that puzzle platform, or first-person puzzler that's kind of like Portal, but kind of not. It's like Portal with Rubik's Cubes. You're, uh, that's coming out in April now. So 
We then in May, to that one. yeah, that one was fun. That one, it, it was tricky because like when I played the demo at IndieK back in October, like I was dropped into like the middle of a level and I didn't know what the person started already or why I had to do because it's like half completed the puzzle, so I was just, like running in circles and confused. But in but uh, one last indie game in May that we should probably mention in our jumbo list here, Treasure Knots is gonna hit 3DS in May. Treasure Knots being the new game, the more Metroidvania style. 2D side-scrolling platformer from the good old Mutant Muds guys over at Renegade Kid. Oh. So a lot of games. A lot of games. And I left out a few because there's actually some interesting info on them. So those are like the those are like a big push of them. And then also in March, uh, actually before I get to that, sorry, there's also there's three more I wanted to mention. One of which is coming out in March, which I'll get to. But first I should probably mention the brand new one, and then we'll touch on the two we knew existed, but we got more info on. So the brand new one, okay, maybe it's not quite brand new, Art of Balance. You mean that game has been out forever in other consoles? On other systems. Art of Balance was, the name is probably familiar to anyone who has been to the Wii Shop channel or to the 3DS There's a demo that's available for those interested. There is, and it's actually kind of fun. I like it, to be honest. Uh, so Art of Balance is this game from Shining uh, Multimedia. They did Na- Nano Assault Neo. They're doing Fast Racing League Neo for uh, Wii U. And basically, this is a game where you're stacking shapes on top of each other. They're randomizing. You have to stack them and make sure the tower doesn't fall over. Not the most original concept in the world, but the demo's very fun on 3DS for Art of Balance Touch. And now they're bringing Art of Balance to the Wii U with a number of enhancements. One of those Zen games where you just... Yeah, you just kind of zone out and puzzle away. But yeah, so like what they're doing for this one is they're keeping, that obviously, that gameplay, but they're adding in online play and leaderboards. They're adding in uh, local multiplayer for up to five people and split-screen online play. So some of those five people, you can play with them and people online all on the same screen at once, which is kind of neat. Kind of reminds me of Mario Kart Wii. They did that, I think, first on Mario Kart Wii. Like, that was one of the first games that had that, like, split-screen online on Nintendo system, at least. Yeah. Um, on top of that, they're, of course, going to have HD visuals. They're going to have... Uh, the yeah, better frame those, rate. Those water effects are going to look sweet. Yeah, they're going to have a crazy frame rate on this thing. They're really using the Wii's power. 240 frames per second. Well, I mean, considering there isn't much to go on. I know, on but that's just insane. Game, that number is literally... I, I think your eye can only see 120 at most. Like, 240... It's going to make you sick. It's going to be like going to see the Hobbit at 24... It's going to be like seeing the Hobbit at 24 frames per second, yeah. yeah. Um, and on top of that, they're also enhancing the physics because they have that extra processing power to work with. So, I mean, the demo, yeah, the demo for the DS, the 3DS one, which was our balance touch, I actually really liked. I just never got around to buying it. But I don't know, between the enhanced physics, the frame rate that I can't even see, and the, uh, and the new graphics, and online, this might be what pushed me into finally buying it. Like, if it's not too expensive, I could see the Wii one being one again. 14.99? They haven't announced the price or a date. 14.99? Uh, my guess is less. 10 or 12. 9.99? Sure. Or 11.99. Let's just shout out numbers. Two. Twelve ninety nine. Okay, whatever. Sure, we'll go twelve. I, I there's really no way now because I don't think. How much was Nano Assault Neo? I have no idea. You bought it. Yeah, a long Nano time Assault Neo was, was only like nine dollars. So this one might be like nine dollars. It's the same type of idea. Yeah, They're taking a 3DS Nano game and HD like, maybe like a month or two after the week you came. Yeah, out. I know that was like a year ago. Uh, yeah, I think it was like nine bucks. So probably around there. So that's game number one. That's the new game, even though it's not exactly new. The other two I want to mention, this is the one involving March, I was going to say, and that's uh, Shovel Knight has been confirmed for March 31st on Wii U and 3DS. This is Yacht Club Games, as you recall, the X Way Forward guys who are making an ode to 8-bit gaming. It's kind of a mix of, like, DuckTales. No. Ha, I see what you did there. But yeah, it's like DuckTales mixed with, like, other traditional NES games. Because it has a pogo jump, just like Donkey Kong Country and DuckTales. Yep. Who, I bet when they started making that game, they did not expect the pogo jump to be a thing that was, like, common again. 
But yeah, I, I played this one as well. Not to keep saying I played these already, but just give brief I don't impressions. Know, I don't rub it in. Yeah, well, I invited you and you chose not to go. I'm just reminding you that. I don't regret it. Except you don't like it being rubbed in, so you do a little. Uh, <laughs> no, I played Shovel Knight and actually chatted with one of the developers at uh, IndieK back in October. It is a really fun game. It's super, super throwback. Like, I mean, it has graphics that are better, but in terms of even little details, like when you're running at the top of the screen, you run on top of the heads-up display up top, like on top of the lives and stuff, like in old Mario games. Like, even little things like that they made sure to include, so that's pretty cool. But the thing I want to bring up is it's kind of weird in 3DS, and each version is getting system-exclusive features that leverage what the system can do. So on Wii U, it's going to have full Miiverse support, and they're going to use it for um, what they're calling a diary, where at any point in the game, you can open up your diary, and you can read uh, tips and tricks and hints from other players, submit your own, you can draw a boss, you can have a boss drawing sent to you, and these diary entries are tied into each individual room, so to speak, of the game. Because, you know, it's bro like many NES games, the platform is broken into, like, chunks, yeah. rooms. So each chunk gets its own diary entries. So it's going to be super location-specific and super relevant to what you're doing. And, it, you know, it's it's pretty standard, par for the course, Miiverse stuff, but just a nice reminder of how cool Miiverse is in terms of, like, contextual information that is very specific to what you're doing in the game, opposed to just, like, a broad, like, yeah, uh, collect collect lives to, to not die type yeah, of thing. I remember the, the Wii Sports Golf thing like blew your mind. It did. It still <laughs> does because Wii Sports Golf, every single score, I think I said this on the show at the yeah, time. Yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, but every single score matched so perfectly with exactly what I did. Like, they'd be like, oh, you were so close to a birdie. And I was like, oh, I was so close to a birdie. <laughs> and then I started choking. Oh, calm down. And then I started choking and the next thing I pass out and Don't I play Nintendo and I sue Nintendo and I get made millions. Yeah. Uh, but no, so that's what the Wii U version is doing with... Uh, Shovel Knight and Miiverse. On the 3DS, they're actually going to be leveraging Street Pass, since that's its social hook, so to speak. I mean, it has Miiverse as well, but nah. <laughs> so, uh, what they're doing for this one, this one's actually kind of interesting. Players will be able to record a five-second like clip of their character, either collecting gems or doing an attack. And then when you pass people, when you street pass people, it'll kind of do an automatic battle, which is it's essentially a giant rock, paper, scissors. So whatever attack you choose to do, and I think collect gems is one of the three things you can do, or four things, it will then play the other person, and depending on what they do, either they'll beat you or you beat them, and you can watch a replay of it when you next turn on the game. And you get loot if you win, and you obviously don't get anything if you lose, but there's a bit, they say there's a bit of strategy involved. It's not as simple as rock, paper, scissors, in the sense that you'll be able, you will want to adapt what you have your character do as you go forward. Hmm. It's kind of a mix of Warrior's Way, uh, you know, the Street Pass game, and it's kind of a little bit like A Link Between Worlds battling, just automated kind of mashed together. At least that's how I'm interpreting oh, kind it. kind of like then the little Street Fighter Yes, like the figuring trophy. battles. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you pick the order you want, you pick, okay, I want my strong figures to go first. It was That, that was kind of like Pokemon, except it's automatic battles. Right. But yeah, so it's yeah. like that. But it's still kind of a cool little thing and it gets you stuff in the main game, which is nice. Yeah. So that's what they're doing for sure. I just think it's cool at Shovel Knight, which is an indie project from the start, a Kickstarter. Not only did they put the game, or they put the game out, but they're throwing in all these little exclusive things for the Nintendo systems. Like, that does take time to do. Like, that, that's pretty cool. So, once again, Shovel Knight's out on March 31st. That is going to be a crazy couple weeks of indie games. It's almost, it doesn't quite rival Need for Speed Monster Hunter, Lego City Undercover, all coming out within two days last year. But having Ballpoint, Universe, Armillo, and Shovel Knight all within, like, 10, 11 days, 12 days, 13 days, that's a lot if you're into those sort of games. So, something to be... Something to be saving up for. And the final eShop game, worth mentioning, isn't exactly indie per se, but it kind of bridges our conversation between the indie discussion and going into more major publisher games, and that is Child of Light, 
which you may recall, or you may not, I don't know, um, it's Ubisoft's kind of as if it was indie, but it's actually not uh, JRPG they're making. It, everything's watercolor graphics. It's an old school JRPG. It's built on the same engine that Rayman was, uh, Origins and Legends was built on, the UbiArt engine, so it looks really good in motion. They put out a new trailer the other day that looks really, really nice, really purdy. But yeah, and it's being led by a really, it's a really small team developing over at, I think we saw Montreal. It's being led by the guy that did Far Cry 3, of all things. But it's like oh. super traditional JRPG. It's you and there's a secondary character that like... this a it, Child it, of Light? Child of Light. Not the secondary character. No. Or, or the Child of Light. Well, the, 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 I don't, the secondary character does control light, I believe. It's like a little... I had the hiccups now somehow when I was choking before. Um, yeah, the... There's puzzles involving light and darkness, and you use the secondary character to do it. So yes, I guess the secondary character might just be the child of light. But yeah, so it comes out, they announced when it's coming out, and they announced the price. And it's going to be out on April 30th, and it's going to cost only $15, which actually is way less than I expected. I mean, keep in mind, Dr. Luigi cost $15, and now Ubisoft's putting out this really, like, fancy-looking game for the same price. So with really nice graphics. So that's something to keep on your radar if you're a JRPG fan. Honestly, I'm got to see reviews because it's the same reason I didn't get Bravely Default. I'm not huge on JRPGs, but this game just looks gorgeous, literally. Like, just looks gorgeous, so. I'm at least keeping tabs on it to see how it goes. But that pretty much does it for the indie game. Now, I did say we were bridging it to mainstream, and that brings us to bombshell number two. Boom. Sonic Boom. Uh, yeah, so Nintendo decided to drop their bombs, I guess, a week, their bombshell news, like, a week ago. And Sega's like, whoa, 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 we have our own, and it literally goes boom. So Sonic Boom. Uh, that was my awesome little intro that I didn't need to do. Wasn't that the name of Sega's, like, um, summer skating thing that they did Oh, the Sonic? Summer of Sonic thing before they called it Summer of Sonic? Yeah, when it was just a fan event, it was Sonic Boom, I believe. Yeah, and I then think. they shifted it to Summer of Sonic. Probably when they realized we could make a game with that same witty pun of a title. That, that, that threw me off when I first heard it. I'm like, wait, that's the name of the song in, like, many Sonic games, Sonic Boom. Yeah, because every... But... Well, here's the thing. You can't let a pun as good as Sonic Boom only be a song on a soundtrack in a Sonic game. It needs to be its own game. No, it's, it's the it's, perfect pun. It's come out various times. The it only other... Same, like, it didn't come out in Transformers, I think. Yeah, it did. Transformers? No, Sonic Transformed. Like, oh, I think it came out in the movie Transformer. You meant Sonic Alter- 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 Yeah, it's one of the yeah. background <coughs> themes that's remixed in there. Right. But even then, like, people don't... No, yeah, it's not the same as having a game. So, now that we got over the naming... Uh, so, Sega confirmed they're making this new Sonic game called Sonic Boom. And it's different than other Sonic well, games. Well, they're not making it. They're... They're publishing it. They, red button... They, it's Big Red Button Entertainment, yeah. yeah. But it's uh, a Western... Here's what's interesting. It's a westernized version of Sonic. They are looking at games like Uncharted. That's where the scarf Sonic wears come from. Like they are. That's why he wears the scarf. No, literally, the developer okay. said that. The developer yeah. used to work on Uncharted. And they're like, well, yeah, that's that's. No, you they know, have a few, and yeah, they have like three or four like Naughty Dog people that. Did yeah, here's what's interesting. Or Crash Bandicoot. Here's what's exactly. Here's what's interesting is the game, uh, the Wii U version, is being developed by Big Red Button Entertainment. And while that company is someone we've never heard of, the CEO and visual director of that company is a guy named Bob Rafi. Yeah, and I don't know why I paused. Like you're supposed to know who that is. And he was a very instrumental key developer in both the Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Dexter series. Dexter. That, did I say Dexter? Yeah, you did. And did I say... I said, ja- I said Jack and Dexter. <laughs> okay, if you don't know video games... This is, I just turned into my parents. Oh, are you playing the new Jack and Dexter game? Oh, how, how's that? Well, I mean... 
Neither were there. How's Crash um, Dummy? <laughs> Dummy? How's Crash? How's Crash Dummy? Oh, it's a, he's a Bandicoot, not a Crash Dummy. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Is that right the game now. with Pikachu? I see. I see. Uh, I see. It says Pokemon. That one actually is true. <laughs> that didn't work. Uh, I think it was a better one. I think Monster Slayer. Um, Monster. No, no, no. It'd be like. Are you playing uh, Nintendo? Even though you're playing a PlayStation. Are you playing Donkey Kong? Like, did you see that? Someone out. Who was it? Someone typoed Donkey Kong is Donkey Kong, and it went super viral. <laughs> I do not remember the context. But oh, here we go. It'd be a parent coming in. And it'd be like, oh, you got the new, you got the new PlayStation there, and you're sitting there with like a 3ds. I don't know why all parents talk like this, but the Danky Kangs. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, Jack and Daxter, or Jack and Dexter. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Big Red Button Entertainment. They are the p- brilliant people behind Jack and Dexter. Again, about two mid twenty something year olds who just sit on the couch with a bowl of Cheetos playing PlayStation. You play them playing PlayStation. It's very meta like that. But now they're doing this. Um, but now the thing about uh, Sonic Boom is that it's. Weird because they've never done this before, but they're westernizing it, like I started to say, in the sense that it's a total revamp of Sonic and Company. They look different. They have the same voices, but they look different. Their gameplay is different. It's going to be a video game. It's going to be a TV show. It's going to be merchandise. The video game is the third of the three Sonic exclusives for Nintendo consoles, so it'll be on Wii U and 3DS. And Sega in Japan is going to keep making normal Sonic with Sonic Team, and this is going to be like a literally like a separate world, yeah, separate like, series it's in just parallel. someone's interpretation of Sonic, yeah. pretty much. But they're hoping it takes off in major, major yeah. ways. Modern Sonic, for all we know, probably won't even come to the next Wii U game because we didn't even get Sonic Generations. So. Exactly. Yeah. And Well, that's understandable because well, that's it came what, out yeah, the year well, yeah. before the Wii U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, and the thing is, I mean, it makes sense for Sega to do this because Sonic Lost World, quite frankly, had not so great sales. And that was very, like, made by Sonic Team in Japan. So now they're like, well, what appeals to Westerners? Put it in there. So what well, that I mean, means for us... That. Does it mean that maybe like we won't get Japanese-made Sonic games? They might not release them outside Japan if this takes off super big. I, I don't know. But what this means for us directly is Sonic and company got this crazy Western makeover. Not Western like cowboys, but Western like a scarf around the neck and pl- and hanging out with Jack and Dexter. And a bunch of bandages. Like, yeah, they're bandages. It's like they, someone was turning them into mummies yeah. and got lazy a third of the way through. One of the first things I was like when um, I saw the designs of the new Ninja Turtles the first time, I was like, whoa, they have... Three toes and a bunch of bandages. Why is everyone wearing bandages? Are they supposed to be like cut, like fighting? Like you know how like UFC fighters or whoever will well, put the bandages on. Well, I mean on? Ninja Turtles. It makes a little more sense. I mean they're ninjas. Hey, maybe. Sonic's a ninja hedgehog. Someone said once probably. But yeah, I don't know these He's designs. Got a bunch of like bumps and scratches from him running so fast and falling a lot probably. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. And every time he goes over a spike and loses all his coins, you know it happens because the spikes jang into his stomach and he's bleeding coins. No, he just bounces off of them and blinks. But where do the coins come from? Where are they shooting out of? Maybe we shouldn't find that out. That I, but, but uh, what I was going to say is these designs are like, first of all, look, all these guys became so really lanky. So yeah, they're, they're like... Rec- tails looks tails, tails looks... I like Tails. Right. Yeah, I like Tails. Yeah, he, he looks exactly the same as my one, now he's wearing goggles. My one complaint, and a utility belt, because he's Mr. Fix-It-Upper. But I mean, he's worn, you know, more like... But that's part outfit. of him now. The one thing I do yeah. not like about Tails is he's wearing headphones, which is fine, but the headphones aren't on his ears. His ears are above the headphones. Like, they have his ears on his head, and then they put his headphones where normal human ears would be. But for him, he doesn't have his ears there. He's wearing his headphones as if they're um, earmuffs. Well, clearly... But not even for his ears. They were designed for humans, and he stole them or Yeah, something. but he could wear them correctly. There's a way you can tilt it so the headphones are touching your ear canal, or whatever it's called. Like, he... He's wearing them like they're pressed up against his temples. Yeah, but it is. It's a nitpick. No, I think the bigger issue but is. But it is face forward, though. It, 
And it could, headphones are yeah. designed to be on yeah. sideways. Either. Not if you have the wraparound from the back ones. Oh, they come yeah. in from the top. Hey, hey, if Tails is so Mr. Fix-It, or whatever you want to call him, he should be able to engineer Who's his own... Who those are even headphones? Oh, they're headphones. I mean, they, they look like beats. They look That's exactly a, like headphones, but... They look we, like we, Tails we themed they, they, they didn't say that. Maybe they... Should, you know what? They're probably weird growths. <laughs> maybe they're, massa- he, maybe they're massagers. A, no, no, they're clearly weird growths, <laughs> and we are being rude to him because we're insulting something that he was born with and he can't control and now I feel like a jerk. Look what you did. Uh, I, I think the stress relievers. I mean, he's Honest- fix it. He's all that brain power. <laughs> honestly, though, honestly, though, Tails is the best design. Amy's pretty good, too, but, but Sonic like- and Knuckles, man. <laughs> I mean, I get why Knuckles is so buff, but he it looked like he's took growth hormones. I kind of like, like how... Um... And why is his torso a perfect, like, triangle? <laughs> like, that's weird. <laughs> he went from being, like, normal proportions to, like, also, did you know Tails is roughly as tall as halfway up Knuckles? Tails' face is at, or is at Knuckles' crotch. I just want to point that out. You should never do that in character design. Because when you have people like Sonic fans who are into furries, that's not going to end well. I'm just saying, it will not end well. They should not make him that tall. Well, now that I've well, tainted Sonic forever, you were saying. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> Sorry. But, and Sonic, you know the thing about Sonic that's annoying to me is that they like took away what defines him as Sonic. Yes, yes, yes. He still has his spiky hair. Yes, yes, yes. He still has his red shoes. And yes, weirdly, he they changed his arm color from tan to blue, so it looks like he's wearing a pajama jacket instead of his skin. But, 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 with all that said, the annoying thing is if you look at the silhouettes of all the different Sonics, old school Sonic and modern Sonic are both very iconic. Their heads are very iconic symbols. They're like a very defined spiky thing. Sonic look like, looks like he has like slick back dreads or something. Like very thick what? dreads. When you look at his silhouette, because his spikes kind of go back down. I mean, not... Well, Knuckles looks a little more dreaded than like Sonic. He had a bunch of like... Like he didn't put gel in the morning. Yeah, but the problem with that is if you're defining... Char- if your character's defined characteristic is the gelled up spikes... Having them all floppy kind of loses. He doesn't have that sil- iconic silhouette anymore. Well, I mean, still, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that much of a difference. And Knuckles it, actually does. It, it especially when they <laughs> took off the silhouette, I thought like their heads look almost identical. Like tails. Oh, the, the, the front of Sonic looks fine, but from the side. No, I know, but I mean, it doesn't even look like they did much to any of them. Like tails, tails and um, Amy just look like they got a different wardrobe, and that's about it. Well, like, Knuckles looks insanely different. Well, yeah, Knuckles is the one that stands. Knuckles out. is like. I mean, I get it. Upper like, like, body like, strength. Like, like, Sonic just looks like, 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 oh, did you get a weird haircut? Oh, did you get a weird haircut? Mm-hmm. And did your legs grow about triple their well, normal Other than that, like, I mean, he's still... I mean... His legs are well, freakishly I mean, when long. I mean, when I was watching the trailer... Uh, well, not the trailer. Um, like, a preview of the... Yeah. I guess, yeah, for the game and the TV show. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, watching him in motion, you didn't. I didn't even notice it. Like, when he's there was one screenshot they released that shows Sonic running like they had the camera oh, down and yeah, behind I, I know, and Sonic's I know, I know, legs yeah, look like yeah, he's like yeah. towering over skyscrapers. No, yeah, yeah, he looked like Lanky Kong, but yeah, and, yeah, that was just that <laughs> screenshot though. But for the most part, like I couldn't even. No, it was like, I, I mean honestly, for the most part, they're fine. I don't think Knuckles needed to become buff bro that he is now, but like he totally looks like a bro. Yeah. They all look like bros. Well, not Amy, she's a broette, I guess, a Brett. But they all look like very like hip, yeah. overly hip. Like, before, like, Amy, even modern Sonic... Know, she's cold, it looks like she's gonna have a completely different personality yeah. than regular Amy. She's gonna be edgy. Instead of being, like, Sweet. super obsessed with Sonic. Yeah. It looks like she... It may be the other way around. Who knows? You know, we'll find out this fall when Sonic Boom comes to a television near you on Cartoon Network. I think it's this fall. But no, the thing... Okay, so enough about the design, I guess. The, the, I do want to stress, though. Someone should, like, look into Knuckles... And, like, he needs to be banned from... If he ever plays baseball, he shouldn't be able to because that is definitely growth hormones. Like, the, the size of his chest. 
First of all, when did he get so tall? And it's like, he's been saying about his song. Also, that's the issue I have with these. This is the real issue. They anthropomorphize, anthropomorphize them. I don't think that's the word. They made them more anthropomorphic than they already were. They already had human characteristics. Now they're even more human-y. I think that's the thing that I and a lot of people online don't like. It's how human-y they became. They're much less animals and much more human-animal hybrids. They look like the fan art. Like, if you look up Sonic fan art... I can see that. Yeah, like, they're... If you erase, like, their hands, feet, and head, like, their bodies could easily be... Yeah. They look like they could be characters from Adventure Time or something, practically. I got you. But it's funny, because, like, if you look up fan art of Sonic... Like, you showed me this, where if you type, like... If you type your name and then the hedgehog, there's creepy fan art, like, weird, furry fan art (laughs) of you as a hedgehog. Not you, personally, but, like, Jason the Hedgehog will bring up weird hedgehogs, and all of them are really stretched-out versions, just like these new Sonic designs are it's like the guys that whoever designed them was like hey you know those those weird fan arts we should just embrace them just 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 roll with it this is for them this is for them but with that said um the games themselves actually could potentially be interesting so the 3ds version is being developed by the guys that did slime uh slime wow i can't talk that did sly cooper thieves in time and their company named uh senzaru games and we know nothing about what they're doing with it the 3ds version hasn't been discussed whatsoever but what we do know is the Wii U version, like we said, is being developed by Big Red Button Entertainment, led by a lot of the guys behind Crash and Jack and... God, J- J- Jack? Jack and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's Jack Daniels and um, Jim Bean and all those guys who are making this game. But, um, uh, well, I just, made it, I just basically said the, alcohol- the developers are alcoholics. Cool. Uh, so, they picked, second pick these guys because they're really good at character-driven gameplay. And that's what this one's going to be. It's going to harken back kind of the Sonic Adventure, it looks like, from the trailers and based on the descriptions. I was reading some interviews, and they're describing it as a wide, linear game, meaning that there's going to be a pretty set path of how you get through a level and whatnot, but there's also going to be alternate routes you can take. And You know, like Jack yeah. and... Like, I'm not going to say it anymore. The gameplay gave Jack me a really Daxter. big um, Sonic Heroes vibe. It reminded me a lot of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Sonic Heroes, I could see as well, though. Well, yeah, because, I mean, this is multiple characters. Going oh, that's true. Level. I mean, that was... They just didn't have it. Sonic Heroes. Except... That was one player, and this is four players. So. Right. Yeah, that, that's another big thing to do is four-player co-op. And they're going to set it up so that um, if you're not playing four players, it's going to be that the narrative determines which characters you play as, which is reminiscent of the older That's actually games. a really good thing that they're doing that, because as many people know, having the AI control the three other characters isn't always like, yeah. the best thing. I think there might be one other, because they said that the two characters per level will be determined by the narrative. And what's interesting is, that's another interesting thing, is that means they're doing levels. It's not quite an interconnected world. There will be a hub and multiple hubs you go through to get to each stage. So, again, it's kind of like the older Sonic games. The non-speedy ones, I should say. Because Adventure 2 Battle, they didn't have a hub. You They had a hub, but it was a menu, but it was still a hub. Adventure 2 Battle? No. Weren't there a branching path at one point? No. Or am I thinking of Heroes? No, Something just, had a you, hub. Well, you just pick, like, oh, I want to pick the good guy side, and you just go through it. Oh, that's right. And then you pick the I bad guy side, you and you switch. pick the question mark, and then that's like... The question so. mark. You had choices. No. No, but you just pick the story. It's like, oh, which campaign I do last you play, I last played in, like, Oh, Sonic Adventure, two. one of the ones that had the hub. It wasn't even a hub. It was, like, a whole world that you'd run around, and then you enter yeah. levels through the... I think, I think that's what they're doing. It was, doing. like, that, Mario 64, that, that Castle on steroids. Yeah, that thing. I think that's what they're doing. I love that game. But, either way, they're saying that gameplay-wise, expect... Uh, a lot more exploration, a lot more combat, a lot more combat. Open your heart. Where is he going? Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I was still um, on a nostalgic trip of Sonic Adventure DX. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. No, no, nothing. Say more lyrics. I sung a whole Pokemon song before. 
Okay, anyway, no, but, uh, so yeah, exploration and combat are going to be the main things they're stressing. There are going to have some 2D platforming segments just to keep it a little sonky, and there will obviously be speedy parts, as in the trailer, they hit, well, almost looked like it was toy on rails, like they just went from speed boost to speed boost to speed boost in, like, a formation. So that's going to be there, but um, beyond that, they, they haven't really discussed the ratio of what type of, the, diff- the different types of gameplay and how they relate, but there's going to be a lot of combat, they said. And it's also worth knowing that the game's actually the first Wii U game to run on Crytek's CryEngine 3, which is a really good uh, game engine. And what's interesting about that... But the that, one of those engines that they said it wasn't supposed to Well, here's the thing. In 2012, back at E3 in 2012, <clears throat> Crytek said, yeah, we have a major franchise coming to the Wii U that's going to use our engine. And then later, at the start of 2013, they released a demo reel that showed environments from what turns out is Sonic Boom. Like, full on. You could see rings and everything, but no one made the connection. And they even labeled it Big Red Button Entertainment as the developer. But yeah, so they've been hyping this up and saying, yeah, the Wii U can do great stuff. You'll see we have some really cool stuff coming. We have a major franchise. And now here we are, two years later, just shows you how long game development takes, and we have our major franchise. Man, together with that really awkward, um, there's one part in the trailer where, like, the camera's circling around the group. Oh, and, God. And Sonic has, like, the weirdest, like, I leg know. spread Never mind. thing. That just looks Never so mind weird. that awkward thing, but then the random Skrillex that... that oh, it's, man. like, all dramatic, and then it's like, bang-a-rang, bang and it's just like, stop, please. <laughs> like, that song, first of all, that's, like, the most generic dubstep song you can pick. Yeah. It's literally the go-to. It's the one that got the most radio play. Se- I don't actually mind the song, to be honest. But secondly, why does it have to be dubstep? Use Sonic music. It's a Sonic game. Does that mean when we play Sonic, he's going to be wub-wubbing everywhere? Like, I think know? they're trying to steal away from lyrics dubstep? music. They don't want to do... But it has lyrics. Uh, Bangarang has lyrics. Oh, well, it goes, Bangarang, bass, bop. No. Man. Does that mean they hired Chris Forty like a... again, or did they let him go off to greener pastures? You got me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Now, I just realized I've referenced dubstep like four times this episode, and I'm once again doing voices, not of characters, but of songs. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this don't. is This is this is horrible. <laughs> I should just leave. Uh, but anyway, the thing with... For me, at least, Sonic Boom seems pretty cool. It's not... If you go into it going, it's not Sonic, as we know it. It's just this new thing. The concept, and the fact that it harkens back to battle... Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which I love so much. I'm interested. It could be totally awful at the same time. And the designs are good in some cases and some parts are questionable. But it could be interesting. And they have said that they found a really clever way to use the gamepad. And I'm really curious to see what that yeah. is. They said something totally unique and really interesting. And also apparently they're using CryEngine 3 in some sort of interesting way that they'll divulge later. Doing some interesting graphical or gameplay stuff with that. Only time will tell. Time will tell, I and mean, we have a lot of time because they don't have a release date. Yeah, I mean, we'll get used to the designs. I mean, I hated the original the Ninja Turtle designs for the new CG series, and now I'm, I mean, I like yeah. them. So, anything could change. I will say though, I tweeted this, but I'm going to say it now too. It is really funny that this successfully broke the Sonic cycle in the worst possible way. The Sonic cycle, you go from enthusiasm when you first see Sonic running alone or whatever, to a little hesitance. When you start hearing the friends are back. But you told total... it does well, though. Right. right. And you're like, maybe. And then they show more of it, and you're just like, ugh. And then they, the game comes out, and lately this hasn't happened, but at its peak of the Sonic cycle, the game comes out, and you're like, what is this? This sucks. This one just managed to skip over pretty much half of those steps and went straight to the ugh stage. So, good job, Sega. You broke your cycle by making people hate it immediately. And I will admit, like, it was kind of fun to bash on, like, just reading people's comments. But I think... If you look past the character design, it has potential to be interesting. Problem is, it's hard to look past the character design. At least as a game. Or as a cartoon. Yeah. Which could be... I don't know. So the other bit of big uh, third-party news is that Monster Hunter 
We're getting more Monster Hunters coming Ooh. to West. I'm sure you're thrilled about this. And that Finally, wasn't we got confirmation, but yep. it wasn't even Monster Hunter 4 that we're getting. We're getting, we're getting better. We're getting better. Or Ultimate. Monster Hunter 4 their, Ultimate is yeah. their upgraded version. Yeah. They released some in Japan under the G subtitle. So it's like Monster Hunter 3 G became Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Also, it could provide you cell phone service. And Monster Hunter 4G <laughs> uh, became Monster Hunter LTE here in America. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you get more monsters, more areas. Like, I had um, I had Monster Hunter 3 for a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't really get into the game until Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. And after I played Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for so much, I went back and looked it up. Like, oh, so what did 3 have that for right. that 3 Ultimate yeah, did yeah. have? And I'm like, wow, this one only has 15 monsters. This one has, like, over 30 monsters and a whole bunch of other subspecies. And yep. this one only has, like, three areas. This one has, like, six or more. This was the one so they knew they were going to push into the West. So it's a, and it's also more like the... Usually their ultimate. Uh, like, I started, like, looking back into their previous... Like, yeah. working to that. And their ultimate series usually involve, like, the who's who of the monsters from other games. So, like, oh, we want the game from... Like, ultimate had monsters from the PSP version that didn't make it to any other ones or had it from the online version. So... I don't know. I think that's cool. I think we might get more cool, crazy dragons that I saw oh, we're gonna other get, games we're gonna that get cool I really crazy. wanted to fight. But. I don't know about dragons, but we're going to get some cool, crazy stuff. They confirmed already that they are adding more content naturally, and that it's going to include online play in the 3DS version. Well, if it's you, the only version, so it's I know. <laughs> it has to. Yeah, what's interesting is previously what Capcom did was Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on Wii U had online, and Monster Hunter 3 on Ultimate on 3DS did not, but you could hook into the Wii U one and play online locally something well not online but you or play just, locally you, you can just yeah. play locally with someone that had the copy right but yeah for this one it will have online they're adding online modes they're uh adding like i said new content including new uh multiplayer options that were not in the original version is it safe to we're gonna get all that nintendo stuff probably, probably. definitely but yeah so that's all coming in early 2015 so it's a little Which ways I'm totally away fine with. i'm sure by then i'll be like at that point in Pokemon where I'm like, I'm just playing it like maybe once a month or something. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me about, well, not necessarily interesting, but one thing kind of know about this is it's only on 3DS this time. There's no Wii U version. And I think the logical reason for lack of a Wii U version is what we spent the first hour of the show talking about. The Wii U's not selling. Why would they put it out there? But I think there may be a second reason of why um, we're not getting Monster Hunter for Ultimate for Wii U. And I think that's a Capcom might have a different plan for Monster Hunter on Wii U. Uh... There's an interview, actually, on Capcom's own site with Yoshinori Ono, the guy usually behind Street Fighter, but is one of the higher-ups at Capcom. And he was explaining the nice logic... Guy. Always puts the Blanco in every picture. That's true. And you have his autograph right on the wall here. Yeah. 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 Also on a few little figures over there, and on um, my Basically, you stalk him. You basically stalk him. It's okay. Okay, minute. You no, stalk him, I, but I, he I, likes you, so he signed I just took stuff. a pile of things. I know, I know. How many did you get him to sign in one go? Uh, one, two, three, four... Five things. I was. I'm gonna, surprised they let you just keep getting stuff. Honestly, signed. I thought I was feeling. I was feeling. Oh, I might have a lot of things. But then, like three people in front of me had like twenty. Ten. Like wow. T- ten. And he signed little, all of them. Yeah, he signed all. I of guess them. he's not that big in the sense that he has time to sign them. It's not like if Matt Groening or something was bombarded by fans and he had to limit the signature. Like he's huge in his. Uh, oh no, it's huge know, in his field, these, but it's a smaller field. I know, but some of these people, like some of them, like they had a lot of things. They're like, like you could understand, like, oh, cool, like they're all like, little different things, right? But, right. This guy, like, I mean, he literally just bought, like, a like a box of the new, like, Zangief little steel dude, and then he just had them all sign on. And the, even Ono was like, really? You want me to sign all these? And, I mean, he did it anyway, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. hey, that's a good guy if he's going mm-hmm. to do it. 
But anyway, yeah, so what I was saying in the interview, um, when probably signing a bajillion things for various Capcom employees, I assume, is he was actually asked about the spin-off MMO, uh, subscription MMO Monster Hunter games, Frontier, and the Frontier series, and he was saying that, uh, he was discussing, like, the idea behind the fact that they're putting them on so many systems all the time. Originally, it was on Xbox 360 and PC. Now, in Japan, it's on PS3 and Wii U as well, and it's coming to the Vita and all these other systems. And he was explaining that the idea behind this with Frontier G is that um, they're putting on so many systems because they want to ultimately bring it to the West. And by putting on so many systems, they can justify the cost of setting up the infrastructure for, like, America and Europe. Because if it's only on 360 or it's only on Wii U or it's only on PS3, it's like, yeah, but, do we, but now you need to make servers for the other regions. That costs a lot of money to maintain. Is it worth it? But by putting on all these systems, it's worth it. So indirectly, by saying that, he basically confirmed that it's coming west. So my hunch is we're not getting a Monster Hunter 4 on Wii U because Frontier G will be filling that role eventually. Capcom, of course, is like, no, we, we didn't announce anything. But, I mean, Ono wouldn't be talking about infrastructure for the west if they're not bringing it to the west, you know? So that's my guess. Oh. That, but still, having it for sure on 3DS is pretty good news for yeah. for all those monster hunters out there. And in one final bit of news, um, as we always do for uh, Smash Bros. update. Yeah, we might as well make a Smash Bros. section until, we should. Like, yeah, we until should. the game comes out. I, so for the whole year. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Basically. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, to wrap up. Smash Corner. Smash Corner. Let's get smashed. No, but we have to, let's get sma- sm- Smashing Good Time. That's our episode mm-hmm. title for the Smash Bros. episode, assuming it's a good game. If it's a bad game, a smash. Nope, I got nothing. Smash Hulk smash. Smashing expectations? Smashing expectations. That sounds positive, though. Uh, no, it doesn't, actually. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so to wrap up the way. news today, let's do Smash Bros. Wrap up. Uh, Matsuhiro Sakurai, series head, as he always does, is posting stuff to Miiverse, and he announced some new things. Uh, actually, a lot of Pokemon things. So we got confirmation of uh, the legendary Pokemon Palkia migrating from being a... Pokemon that's glued to a specific stage and interacts with the stage to his own Pokeball where he does his attack anywhere. So, congrats, Palkia. You're moving on up in the world. Yeah, using Spatial Rend. He's the Dimension Pokemon, so Mm -hmm. will he be um, flipping the stage upside down like he did in Brawl? Who knows? Or, will he be flipping the stage right side up after something else flips upside down? If it's a Metroid stage, it flips itself upside down almost all the time. This question's going nowhere. Does that also mean that Yago will be a Pokemon trophy? Or will he even come out at all? He's the one that slowed down time. Right, yeah. Who knows? Sakurai knows. (laughs) Sakurai knows. Uh, But in addition, more importantly, that was the weirdest conversation. More importantly in the good old Palkia, though, is that Sakurai also confirmed, or announced, or whatever you want to say, that Lucario is coming back as a playable character in Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. To which I say, hurrah, or huzzah. I started combining them into hurrah, which isn't a word. But I like Lucario. And as I said, huh. That was interesting. Because, I mean... <laughs> he looks good in HD. No, yeah, I mean, now. Yeah, he was one of my... I would say, yeah, he was one of my main characters. Yeah, he's fun. But, um... I don't know, that... Now, now, I don't know, I just feel like, okay, like... He's in the game. He's gonna... He's that like, means Mewtwo isn't, for one thing. Well... Probably. I don't know if it... I mean... It implies that he was the new Mewtwo, so... I guess, yeah. But, I mean, um... He's the, he's definitely, like, I guess now the poster child for X and Y. Because, I mean, he has the Mega Evolution. His... Although, not confirmed he, he, for he, the new Smash Bros. that he'll have it yet. I, it's a given. It's a given, but it's not Because, confirmed. I mean, like Sakurai said, like, oh, okay, he, he ties the Pokemon for every, like, whatever's going on in the Pokemon that's popular or whatever. Yep. That's the current relevant thing. And the next and why Lucario is, like, somewhat integral to the story. He mm-hmm. was, like, supposedly the first Pokemon to ever Mega Evolve. They kind of make a big deal out of him, like, halfway so through the sense. story. That, so. I guarantee that's his final Smash, then. Yeah, I mean, and... 
don't know. It, it could play two ways. Like, yeah, I, I can... I don't know. I'm, like, 99% sure it's going to be his final smash. And then yeah. he'll turn back to normal, like, after, like... It's going to be, like, Wario Man. Oh, totally. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, too. Like, oh, I mean, the Pokemon don't stay in their Mega Evolution forever in the game. They go mm-hmm. back to normal. Or, like, I was, like, when some people were speculating, like, oh, maybe after he builds up... Like, they're saying that they want to emphasize on the aura. Maybe after he builds up enough damage... He could like transform into his mega evolution and then just stay in that form until he dies, kind of like how they do right. with the game. But I feel like the final smash makes more sense, especially like when you press B, the little animation could literally be the cocoon coming out and oh, yeah. exploding. Yeah. So. Speaking of the aura thing, that's actually worth mentioning is that um, that's his trademark thing in Brawl, where the more damage he collected, the more powerful his attacks became, and they called that his aura, like his aura grew. Yeah. And uh, they bring it back for the new Smash Bros. But kind of like you touched on, they're they're changing how it works in the sense that now it makes him even more powerful. So the more damage, much, they have to make him more, more powerful. Yeah, like honestly, they the, post- outside of, outside of a like cosmetic change, like it wasn't you couldn't really tell that much that you were doing like more damage except for like your your aura sphere, his like little projectile yeah. ball. Like his, oh, his, uh, now it's the size attack. of like yeah. his body, pretty much. Yeah, and they did that screenshot showing what it looks like when he's healthy versus when he's damaged healthy. When he's at zero damage, when he's actually damage, and it's like quadruple the size. Yeah, it's, it's way bigger now. And not only that, but his uh, up B is now affected by it as well. That's his extreme speed move where he did like an upward boost, and you could kind of steer it sort of. Now it uh, now it's going to be the distance you boost is going to be determined by how damaged you are. So the more damaged you are, the farther you can go. So you can actually steer it pretty. I kind of hope it precisely. does damage this time because I mean, I know. I mean, I know like Smash Brothers, it's a complete own thing when it comes to like pokemon logic yeah but i mean in the it's po- its own thing when it comes to nintendo well, logic to everything, as well because <laughs> i mean like i don't know it always just kind of bothered me like how lucario's a b like you can't do anything against it like it doesn't damage anyone and it could be stopped by anything yeah and you just kind of float through things with it and in the game in like the actual pokemon game extreme mm-hmm. speed is actually like the most powerful priority move that you could use i mean it lets you go first but it's not like really high like power my and in this crunch. game it does absolutely nothing right and ironically, agility, the one that Pikachu, Pikachu that be, doesn't do any damage in the game, but, but in does here, it in Smash Bros. I'm pretty so sure extreme like, speed... <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, Sakurai? Uh, my hunch is it won't do damage still, because if they're making it more powerful in terms of recovery, making it damage, yeah. you know, give damage too, makes it way too good. Yeah. That's my hunch, though. Um, and, but it looks like all the other moves are still there. They confirmed he, has, he still has his double team. He's still, well, maybe not a side B, but... Yeah, they, they haven't confirmed everything yeah, he, yet. They've yeah, posted his, three his screenshots. His down smash is still the same. Pretty much, yeah. th- that's how it's been for all the characters. The other, it, they look pretty much unchanged for, like, the most part. For the most Sorry, part, for yeah. The most part. Although, um, they have some things that are changing, though. Check out this transition. Our oh. items. Oh. Uh, well, not changing, but adding. Can so you elaborate? They, I, I would like to elaborate, in fact. L- allow me to do so. So, for, so first, uh, the beetle item from the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, the little remote control beetle you have, is now its own item in Smash Bros. And it will pluck up characters and whisk them away. I'm sure that will bug them. I'm sure it will. Oh, high five! Oh, oh no. wait. <laughs> yeah. That might just be me clapping with my own hand. You'll never know. Oh, it really was. Uh, it wasn't. It, it was. Um, anyway. <laughs> wow. So the beetle, they haven't... Asakura hasn't said if you control its movement or if you just send it out and it autopilots. I'm guessing autopilot because I'm going to guess pain. it's just like autopilot set amount of distance. Yeah, that'd be the most logical thing. But he hasn't said otherwise for sure. So who knows? That's I am number one. I am number two is Mother Brain, much like Palkia, is graduating from being part of a stage to being well, Mother Brain was any, never or, Yeah, yeah, in the background of the Metroid Prime stage. That wasn't Mother Brain. That was the Parasite Queen from Metroid Prime. Just kidding. Wow. And I call myself a Nintendo fan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I. 
It's been nice, folks. <laughs> We've been through. No, uh, no, this is Mother Brain from... This is Super Nintendo. Is like, Super Nintendo well, NES more, Mother Brain. Well, I was going to say more NES, just because she's just in the jar, and that's it. In Super right. Nintendo, I mean, she was in the jar, but then she goes Bus up into her, like, two-legged... True. Hyper-beaming... Spoilers for people who haven't played Super Nintendo from... I mean, Super Metroid from oh, 1993. Yeah, just or, fine. From the intro cutscene from Metroid Other M, if you ever played that. Spoilers for people who <laughs> wanted to turn on Metroid Other M, read the reviews, and went, mm, one day. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... But, no, but, yeah, so the assist trophy is old school Mother Brain, not Parasite Queen. I'm sorry. And, uh, it's a little jar that she'll shoot a beam out of, and... That's yeah, and there's, like, little rings that just, like, kind of shoot yeah. out and dangle. So that's kind of a cool addition. It's yeah. a nice I mean, it looks back. big. It looks detailed. Very it looks pretty big, like, yeah. physically. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then the last tidbit is Rosalina has a new attack uh, confirmed, which is gravity pull. Her down B is a gravity pull where it will suck in nearby items. Yeah, and if you know so it's Kirby it's, sucking. It's a little pointer from our galaxy. Yep. Little star pointer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically Kirby's sucking ability, but for items only, and there's no mouth involved. Wait, and it's but, not. Wait, so then what was it? I mean, that was the attack she was doing when Mario was shooting water at her, and it was going around her. I believe so. So I guess it has also a repelling. Or she has a different. Yeah, I guess so. so uh, the, the, Sakurai only said in the post that yeah, we showed it in the trailer, but what I can tell you now is it sucks in items. So yeah, it must repel and suck. Hmm. I guess. I wonder if this attack will suck or be any good. That pun was awful because you know, I literally just said the same word. Yeah. It would be more like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try the pun. You know what? That's it for news. Let's switch over to games before we dig ourselves deeper into this pun hole. <laughs> that yeah. really bad. The gravity of the situation. The gravity of the situation is getting to be too much to bear. Mm-hmm. It, was, the, it was really sucking the air out of the room. So anyway, uh, see what I did there? Uh, so yeah, we have two games that we've been playing. Or well, really Jose's been playing. I haven't been playing anything we have to Only one's about. a game. <laughs> Only one's a game. One's an app, but it's good enough. So that's Castle Storm, which is the game. From Zen Studios, it came out on Wii U eShop a few weeks ago. Zen Studios being the guys behind Zen Pinball, appropriately enough. And secondly, we have Pokemon Bank. So, Jose, if you want to take these away, since, uh, like I said, I haven't actually played them. Well. Castle Storm. Yeah, Castle Storm. So who made Castle Storm again? Zen. <laughs> as, I mo- as I mentioned a bit ago, it was Zen Studios, the fine makers of a I game called Zen memory of Dory, Pinball. so is that right? No, I don't. <laughs> Maybe just sometimes. Anyway, Castle Storm, that game is... From the makers of Zen Pinball. <laughs> That game is it's weird. It's different. It's um it's a strategy. A real I want to yeah. It's like a real time action strategy game. Pretty much the idea is you have two castles on opposite sides and you want to break down the door of the other castle and mm-hmm. steal their flag and take it back to your to your castle. And primarily, you control a turret that you could shoot um, javelins at the other castle. But you could Are also, there any bombs by any chance? Yeah, you could upgrade it to shoot a variety of things. Boom! Fits the episode title. Bombs away. There we go. All tying in. Even 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 on um, Thor's hammer is like one of the options. But um, so as you're shooting your projectiles, you could shoot it. Yes, Jason. You're making I'd the I do like a lame joke about Marvel. How they get the rights to use Thor? But I'm not gonna do it because I know Thor's also a mythical Norse god. I just wanted to make the lame joke. Okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't say it. Right. You asked me it, I had to say it. You brought out the worst of me that I was trying to stuff down. All right, so, like, your javelin is, like, your primary mode of attacking. You you could shoot at, like, the little troops that your opponent sends at you. Like, mm-hmm. And they also calculate headshots, too, so you could go for the head and kill them right instantly. Mm-hmm. But um, you could also shoot the javelin, like, straight at the door. And um, so, as I mentioned, like, there are little troops that you could summon. You don't control them directly. You just, like, press X, like, oh, I want to summon my... My foot, my foot soldiers, and then I want to summon my slightly stronger ones, like, uh-huh. and then, um, and then you can't, and there's, like, a cooldown time, you have to wait for your food to recharge, 
And if that's not enough, then you could also send like more powerful projectiles through other means. Or if you feel you're getting bom too bombarded, you could um, send in your hero. And you, and that's the only character that you directly control. And you could go in there and just like slice and dice like these, like their troops. So, but only for a limited amount of time. And then, so you could so you could try and hero directly and you're literally running in and just like hack and slashing your way through. Yeah, but it's just like, like, but it's like for a few seconds because he's like right. really overpowered and he's just kind of there just to like kind of help you clear out the field right, a little. Right. But then there's like all these other mechanics that work in the back that just make it really crazy. So your castle is not only like your, I guess like your life. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's like your lifeblood, like of everything. There's like uh -huh. different chambers in there. There's like a place. I guess there's like a kitchen. There's an armory. There's like a bunch of places in there. And at first I didn't pay much attention to them, but later I learned that if you destroy like let's say the the kitchen, um, the cooldown time will, like, triple, or, like, it'll take, it'll pretty much take your opponent a lot longer to be able to summon another soldier because they get hungry, which mm -hmm. means you can't summon them as fast. If you destroy the kitchen or if you destroy the armory, you won't be able to replant, you won't be able to fire as many different, like, specialty weapons at your opponent. So, now, there's, like, a lot of, like, little mechanics going on at the same time, but it's, it's more on the slow pace side, because, I mean, it's, like, it's almost like League of Legends, but... I was going to say, the way crazy. you're describing it sounds a lot like it has really, like, traditional uh, real-time strategy game elements, kind of mixed with, like, worms, mixed with, yeah, like... it's kind of like... With, what was the game? It's like worms and, um, I guess, uh, Angry Birds. Defend and, and, and Defend Your Castle. Remember that Wii yeah, game that came out long? This like is them. almost like a sit-back-and-watch version of Defend Your Castle. Because Defend Your Castle, you have to throw people at the castle. No, but, but that's the thing, too. Like, you have to be... You're pretty much active the whole time because you're, like... I mean, sure, you could just like let your soldiers just walk over and right. destroy the door, but you're all, but when you're not doing that, you're pretty much controlling the turret the whole time. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Then. And then whenever you have like any spare time, then you're summoning your other people. You could summon this big dragon if you accumulate enough points. And so it's like a real-time strategy game with a ton more mold. It's like worms yeah. on speed. And for the most, <laughs> and you could play it online. You could play like the campaign, which does a really good job of like teaching you how to play. And it mm -hmm. also has a camp, like an actual story, which I don't know, has really like well done like cutscenes, like animated cutscenes, and. It's fun to play, but um, I played on um, local multiplayer once, and do you think um, it'd be kind of weird to play? I guess like share one screen, just because right. like your your castle's on the opposite end, and for the most part, you're just looking at your castle mm -hmm. and occasionally zooming over to your opponent's side. So one person has to play on the gamepad, and one person yeah, that's about to ask. That means you have to use that the way. Gamepad, yeah, right? that way, like you could like, because I mean, this was a PC game, so. Right. Like, people always had their own screen, so it's, like, the perfect way to do multiplayer. You each have your own screen, and since the game has, like, this toony art style, like, there isn't, like, a, there's detail, but not enough that you can't see that the gamepad won't be a perfect thing for it. Right. Speaking of the gamepad, so, outside of multiplayer and outside of, I guess, off-TV play, does it, is it used for anything, or is it just kind of um, secondary display? It could give you more accurate aiming with the, with the turret, because you could just, like, kind of touch and, like, oh, okay. and shoot instead of using the analog. Right, that makes sense. And you could also, like, customize your castle, you could customize, like, your army. It's, like... This actually sounds really it's fun. It's a pretty in-depth game. Like, I was, like... I kind of went and getting it, and like knowing, like okay, the developers, like they have a good reputation. It looks like such a, a good fun... reputation. You couldn't it... remember who they were. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, it, it looked. I mean, I like these kinds of games. I mean, I love Worms. I love these kind of like real time right. strategy action games, like 2D and... RTSs. Yeah, and uh, and I definitely didn't regret it. The, cool. um, it's a, it's one of them gems. How, how much was it? I think it was. I want to say 14 at most. That's not bad. 14.99 or 14. 14.99. See, you always do that. 15. Or maybe 13.99. Either way, that's not too bad. I mean, how how much uh, how long's the campaign? If you, I assume you haven't beaten it. Oh uh, no, because it's it's pretty. It's pretty length. 
yeah, and, and, and Pokemon is kind of like right. You have that addiction. <laughs> oh, by the way, well, no, I actually I've only played it like for like maybe five hours this whole week. So. Yeah, and I'm sure someone that's addicted to cocaine is like, I only snorted one one line today. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're not so addicted. No. Yeah, I just compared you to a cocaine addict. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it definitely slowed down. I mean, I already breeded everything. Once you breed, it's not just battle whenever you're all tuckered like. out from all the breed. This conference is going downhill. <laughs> so castle storm, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a castle you should storm. So. Really, a castle? That's one castle you should see. See, lay siege on. Nope, that was worse. So, uh, so you'd recommend that basically? Yeah, I'd recommend it. Uh, cool. I actually, I actually did not know. To be honest, I knew nothing about it. I didn't even realize it was out I until you told to me. I went to the eShop one day and I'm like, "Oh, what's this?" Game? Yeah, it had zero trailer. hype, had zero attention. We never even talked. We usually do a pretty good job of talking about indie games on here. Never once came up. I actually, when I saw the trailer, um, they kind of emphasized the hero. They showed the hero off a little too much, and then uh-huh. I thought the whole game was just a two D side scroller with like really uh, yeah, yeah. janky controls. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't look that fun. But then after I realized what kind of game it was, I'm like, oh. The controls make perfect sense because you don't want like course, an yeah. overpowered thing just making it too easy. Yeah. So, so yeah. you recommend? Yeah. 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 So that's uh, Castle Storm. Yeah, I might actually pick it up. It actually sounds really fun. No. Yeah. Like it sounds like a sped up Worms kind of. So. Yeah, we should play it a few times so you could. Like, yeah, I'm now definitely. If if we were smart, I would have tried it with you like before you record, so I could have input too. But I talked for an hour straight at the beginning, so you know. <laughs> it bounces out. It's been a pretty crazy day. We, I mean, we had Comic Con stuff. In the oh yeah, so, yeah. We are recording this the day that San Diego Comic Con tickets went on sale. So we've been up since early this morning, and uh, it's a, the, the process for Comic Con is better than it was, in the sense of it's more fair. But unfortunately for us, we were good at being unfair and leveraging the unfair system because I have files at my house, which is really fast internet, so I was able to pretty much always get badges. So this year it was randomized. It's like, no one cares about this. Why am I talking about this? Anyway, uh, Pokemon Bank. So Pokemon Bank finally came out after its a long, month and a half. long, long, yeah, November. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just a simple app that just like lets you store like all your Pokemon in the cloud. You pretty and it's hosted you know, by the lovely anime-looking hand-drawn person who did Pokemon Box on GameCube. The same uh, character is the yeah. is your hostess or host. The, the, Crocs wearing girl. Yeah, her. They kind of look like Crocs. Her. Her. It. Whatever. Croc lady. (laughs) Anyway, so... um, There is a lot of... Lady Gator. There we go. Lady Gator. I mean, if... Alright, so pretty much, um... If you're... This app is probably something that not a lot of people are going to use unless you're actually playing the game maybe competitively or just breeding. Because you end up breeding a lot of Pokemon and I was... I ran out of space in my box. I filled up all... 30 boxes. In the game, you mean? Yeah, in Not the game. Not in Pokemon. No, bank. they're 21 boxes. I don't know. Well, pretty you much. You filled up the game, so you need bank to spill yeah. over. Yeah, what pretty you're trying much. To say. Yeah, because it takes, I don't know, I guess for me it takes too long just to delete them. But um, anyway, so you start a Pokemon bank, and then you have to have Pokemon X already inside, and then it tells you, alright, so now you have these 100 boxes, so you can store up to 300 Pokemon in there, and then. 3,000. 3,000, you're right. Anyway, so. Sorry to. You have the boxes up there Correct. that are blank, and then on the bottom screen you have your in-game boxes. And then as you scroll through them, you could just kind of like, kinda, yeah, you just like highlight them, like click and drag, and then just put them up there. There's no touchscreen in, like, yeah, there's no... What? Yeah, you don't use a touchscreen in the does game whatsoever. Work? Can you press buttons on the touchscreen? No, like, does it have menu yeah, buttons? It, it doesn't do anything. That's interesting. Is it 3D on the top? No. It's just... And it took, and it took them how long to build them? <laughs> it's just the menu. I mean... I mean, it, what would you expect? I guess you're I mean, right. it works. I mean... Once I figured out that I, me tapping the screen didn't do anything, I was like, oh, okay, I have to use the D-pad. And I, I actually have to go, like, just hold down on the D-pad to go from the top screen to the bottom screen. Wait, or does just the analog stick work? 
Or just super bare bones. Um, I haven't tried the analog stick. I just went with the D-pad just because... That's what you're used to. For yeah, because, I mean, yeah. it's either... Because you can't really go diagonally mm-hmm. without going mm-hmm. side down, side down, side down. Right, right. And it, and it really is super easy. You just... I mean, once you figure out how to get the controls going, you just, like, click the Pokemon, put them up there, save it, and then that's it. So the big thing with Pokemon Box is that it has a subscription fee of, I believe, what, five a year, five bucks a year? Yeah, five bucks a year. You actually get to pay that? Yeah, it's it, 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 it's practically nothing. Like I'm using true. it for a whole year. I mean, that's true. especially because I mean, a lot of if it was free, I'm sure a lot of people would just like store the Pokemon up there and just forget about it, and then Nintendo would just have like all these useless, yes, wasted yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it it kind of makes you use it, which I think is fine. That makes sense. But see, under that same logic, I have Netflix. I don't think I've watched anything on it in months, but I'm still paying every month. Well, and that's... I'm a bad. I'm a bad. <laughs> consumer or a great consumer for netflix because they don't have to feed me bandwidth and they get well, then, money and well, they get my money well then this way i mean like you're paying i mean yeah if you're paying you're, for pokemon i mean i mean pokemon bank you're probably using i mean maybe it, yeah. you're i mean maybe you still pay for netflix just so you know you have it yeah that's the i think i mean just knowing you have yeah. it is still kind of nice than just knowing like, is half the battle after all yeah yeah <laughs> well once you're in pokemon bank then you could download pokemon um Transport. Transporter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just an option on the bottom. You just click it. It takes you back to the eShop. You download a separate app in there. And once you download it, you don't have to go to Pokemon Bank to activate it. You just go straight to Pokemon Transporter. But for that one, it's only compatible with Black and White and Black and White 2. Right. And when and I was... It lets you import those Pokemon I didn't realize there was um a lot of game switching. I thought it was just... Well, I'll, I'll just explain the process of sure. transferring one Pokemon. Sure. Which is all I've done so far because sure. it, it was all I had patience for. That so, bad, huh? <laughs> well, no. So, pretty much, first you have to have your Pokemon in Box 1. I had no Pokemon in Box 1. I had all my Pokemon like, in different boxes. Why does it have to be Box 1? That's weird. I don't know. But pretty much. <laughs> you sound very frustrated. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, well, I guess it's the first box. It only transfers one box at a time. So, you can only transport 30 Pokemon in one, like, at a time. Yep. So, let's say I have my Meloetta in Box 1. Then From I... All Pokemon. Well, because that's the one I transferred. Mm. It was the GameStop exclusive one. And um, so I have Pokemon White in the 3DS. I start a Pokemon Transporter. Okay, Meloetta comes out on the top screen and box one. And then I put it down on the bottom into yep. my Transporter box. Yep. I save the game. Okay, now Meloetta is out of the, the out 3DS. Of, yeah. So now I have to go... So now if I want to transport any other Pokemon from Black and White, I can't. I can't do that until I put... um. Meloetta from my transporting box into Pokemon Bank. So now, oh, wait, is that just to clarify? Is that only because you only did the one transfer? Is it like per like well, you probably do one session of well, transfers? Well, pretty much. Um, like Pokemon, you have Pokemon Transporter doesn't put Pokemon from Black and White or Black and White Two into the into the cloud. It puts them. Oh, it keeps into, them on your system. It, it keeps them on your system in a box that you then have to put into Pokemon Bank. No, but what I mean, is can you have like can you do like ten in one go? Uh, in that box, how much does that box hold? Thirty. So you can okay, so you can yeah. do thirty. Yeah, so you can yeah. do it. Well. So then you have to go to Pokemon Bank, and then you have to take Meloetta from the transporter box and put it into, I guess, any box in Pokemon Bank, and then you could transfer more Pokemon. Quite frankly, this is exactly how I thought it would. Work. And then from <laughs> and, and then to get that Pokemon into X and Y, then I guess you go from Pokemon Bank to X and Y, and then so yeah. there's like three steps pretty much. I mean, there's no so you're, and you're switching cartridges like halfway. So yeah, there's really no other way for Nintendo to have done it. They need to basically take the the data off the cartridge put it on your system and then take it from your system to your new cartridge so it's like when you said there's a lot of switching i thought it was gonna be like double that i mean ideally yeah there it would somehow bank and transport should be able to communicate and it should be able to go straight to the cloud at once but i could see why it doesn't yeah yeah 
No, yeah, I mean, there, there really is no shorter way. I mean, you have to do yeah. that grocery yeah. staging. But, I mean, it it works. It, once I got the hang of it, it was easy. At first, it took me a while to get used to not having the controls and just... Oh, you mean bank as a whole. Yeah, yeah. bank as a whole, but... It's, go- it's great that it's finally I mean, out ha- with no server those, issues. And it has those sorting options, which is nice. I mean, and I, I really wish the game itself had sorting options. Just like, I have like just a mishmash of Pokemon in there. And right. I just wanted to like, oh, just sort by type or sort by name. Right. But, yeah. And free Celebi if you use it before September 30th. Yeah. You get a one-month trial, which is all I'm going to use it for, honestly. Get my Celebi. Be like, cool, I have a Celebi. I'm never going to use this in battle because I barely play Pokemon anymore. And then that would be my life. Yep. <laughs> So, so, I mean, so if you have Pokemon, I mean, you have no reason not to download it. You get Yeah, download it at least for oh, Selby, and then... Another thing I forgot to mention, they actually reward you for using the Pokebank a lot. They give you either 100 um, Pokemiles, which you, could, sorry, which you could use to buy stuff in-game, or you could sync them to your Pokemon Global Link and buy, and buy things, like, from that website. You could buy, like, your potions, your rare candies, your whatever. Or you could use, or you could get battle points instead, where you could use to get the competitive items and the competitive. In like, Global move. Link, or oh no, no, this game. this is in game. Well, Pokemon, just for a minute, I like to point out we have now come full circle this episode, as we started with how can Nintendo do mobile and do companion apps, and we're now concluding with, hey, here's how Nintendo does companion apps on our website. So props to us for that unintentional circling. Yeah. And that's Pokemon Bank. And that's our circle, and that brings everything together in a nice. Ties in a nice bow, and we can wrap up this episode. So yeah, Pokemon Bank, definitely, uh, it sounds like, try it just for Selby. Keep it if you need it for breeding. Yeah, like, something that, actually, I guess it was, like, the perfect time to release it. I mean, if they had released well, it any sooner, I would started breeding. Well, that's right, well, it wasn't until, like, literally last week when I filled up my boxes. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That is good timing, then. And, well, and, clearly, and, Nintendo's and, hacked and into and your this week I didn't really play, so it's not like right. it mattered. Right. But yeah, so that pretty, much, that pretty much wraps up for this episode. Um... Yeah, uh, thanks for sticking with us. This is one of our longer ones because of all that Nintendo financial news, but certainly going to mean an interesting year for Nintendo, as I've been saying the last couple episodes, because it is going to be a weird, crazy, wild year for Nintendo. So um, with that said, uh, once again, uh, since we did bring it back to mobile, it's worth plugging one more time. Um, Check out my extra on the site, my editorial article, looking at the different ways Nintendo could properly leverage mobile, be it companion apps or side games or functional apps. It's called Nintendo's Mobile Calling. It's on RamTown.com, right next to this episode, which is episode 63, Bombs Away. And uh, while you're on the site, you might as well follow us on Twitter at RamTown. Make sure you don't miss any future extras or don't miss any um, upcoming episodes of the podcast. You can also follow us individually on Twitter if you want to hear us talk about things related to Nintendo and things not related to Nintendo. For example, did you know in Russia for the Olympics, they had their police academy do a very strange rendition of Daft Punk's Get Lucky? They did. And I may or may not tweet about it. I have yet to decide. But um, <laughs> so you can get that lovely tweet. And well, by the time you hear this, I, I will have my answer. You will have. I will have decided. But uh, you'll, you'll you get stuff like that if you follow me at JS, at uh, JSR Seven. You get more relevant game related things if you follow Jose at Wero. I also tweet about games. Yeah, my last tweet has been about Pokemon. I think the last one was my Flappy Bird. My, my Flappy Bird yeah. store. Or or if you want strictly, by the way. But well I'm done. done. If you want strictly <laughs> Nintendo stuff. There's also Meverse, where you're more than welcome to friend and follow us. He is also Wero on Meverse, just like on Twitter, and I'm Jason R. I so keep it easy. Yeah, I make it difficult. So, actually, I've tried to make it easy, but J- they won't let you do more than... Uh, Four characters. Yeah. Or a minimum. minimum of three characters, and I didn't want seven if I didn't have to have a seven. So, yeah, either way, uh, yeah, friend us, follow us, and we will be back in two weeks on February 23rd for our next episode, which will, of course, include more news, 
more game impressions, more Nintendo goodness, probably some thoughts on Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which comes out that same weekend, and we're going to try and play through as much as we can before we record. Um, so until then, have a good couple weeks. Enjoy Bravely Default if you picked it up. And also keep an eye out, because I feel like we're due for a Nintendo Direct sometime between now and then. We'll see you in two weeks.